get it going. It's time to get up. Ryan to Gurley. Left side. Touchdown, Atlanta. Todd Gurley took a Darius Taylor into the end zone with him. And his eighth rushing score of the year has pushed the Atlanta lead now to eight points. These guys are here to break it all down. I think everybody would understand this. How rare it is to get an opportunity to manage a team that's this talented and this close to winning. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. <laughs> this is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. TGIF, what's going on, everybody? It is Friday, October 30th, Halloween Eve. Does that count for anything? What's going on? James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, Greg Valick on the other side of the glass. Hang with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Have you had any chocolate yet? No. No, I've, I've been extremely good, and I know it might be tough. I may have to, to find some chocolate. I don't even know if there's any in the house um, after our show this morning because it'll be part of the topic. But, no, I've been very good. Not even when I've been in the grocery stores. I'm just flying by the boxes of all the, the treats that are there. Uh, but when I break down, I'll break down hard. Like, I'll be able to send you a video of just all these wrappings around me and passed out chocolate OD chocolate all over my face. If I break down, I'm going to break down really hard this weekend. <laughs> that I know of myself. Yeah, that's, uh, I think tomorrow we'll take the plunge. The kids have uh, soccer practice tonight. I'll bring, I'll pick up some Halloween treats there tonight and, uh, you know, some peanut free. Make sure everybody's safe. Mm-hmm. And then whatever's left over probably assault them after uh, after practice tonight so they get down be, on it start tonight uh, it, start tonight is it is it a hardcore like they can't dress up for soccer practice tonight well i mean the kids are 12 so i think a lot of them are like ah, oh, we're not going trick-or-treating anymore some of them are, they play they play the i'm too old for this stuff so that's huh. which is unfortunate 12 was 12 what grade 12 is grade seven six? grade seven Oh, see, see, back in our days, grade seven was the new school. Yep. So now you've got new friends. So now is your opportunity. Gosh, I, I would think, I don't know, am I trick-or-treating at 12? I'm going to say I probably went out. Oh, sure I did because we egged our teacher's house. Or maybe that wasn't Halloween. <laughs> oh, maybe I know we're going to get some really bad yeah. things done by a 14-year-old later. There is my, I egged the house. I was actually, you know, I had to change my driver's license yesterday. I had to renew. Yeah. And so I go there. Guy, yeah, you, you got to pay a ticket. I go, what? They go, yeah, you got an outstanding ticket. I go, seriously, where was that from? And they go, yeah, 2019. I go, man, like I had a bad memory. I can't remember not paying a ticket. And then the guy didn't know how to read it. And um, so he gets his supervisor and she goes, oh, no, no, it's not 2019. Yeah, 2002, but you haven't been served it yet. Go, what did I do in 2002? She goes, ah, you know, red light or something. I go, well, 18 years they haven't served it to me yet. I'll wait for them to get it to me. I'm okay. That, you know, I'm it's that happened to me actually. Um, at I went to go renew my Nexus a couple of years ago, or something a lot, or or maybe it was my kids. I think it was for me, and I had gone in to deal with my passport or my Nexus, and I went into the uh, the passport office or the uh, the border services agency in uh, on main just off main street 
in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And this officer was kind of going through my record, and he's like, did you ever have your license suspended? I'm like, you know, in my mind, like, I've never, like, what have I ever done? No, no, I don't think so. And he's like, well, you either have or you haven't. And it's like, I I don't think so. He's like, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not messing. And, he, and, like, the dude just completely got pissed off immediately. And now you're you're basically asked to scan your life in, in about 20 seconds, you know, in about three seconds on the spot. And I'm going, ah, uh, okay, what did I do? Um, you know, you either had your license suspended or not. Well, I said, you're asking me, so I'm going to assume. And then he mentioned, um, I'm going to assume yes. And, well, in 2008, did you? And it was like an unpaid ticket. It was exactly that. It was like an unpaid ticket for uh, a parking or just, you know, I think going down a one-way street, whatever it was, you know, but it was living mm-hmm. ba- living back east at the time, going, you know, whatever traffic violation I had made, and I hadn't paid the ticket on time, so my license was suspended. And, like, this comes up, right? And you're like, uh, I don't know what. Uh, and, and so he took my passport, basically threw it back to me. He's like, I'm done with you. Really? Oh man, he was pissed off. He's like, I'm not, I'm not listening. But I'm like, sir, sir, I, I'm just trying, and I'm just trying to get some answers. He shut it down and just said, next. But like, sir, he said, I'm uh, next. Get out of here. Like he wasn't. He was pissed off, and he no. was not having it at all. And it was like, well, and basically, told, you know, quickly told me that you know, 2008, your license was suspended, uh, you know, because of a park fire. You know, that I was like, I, I'm going to assume yes, I did have it suspended at some point, but like. How to remember that from like twelve years earlier? Like, well, when ah. we moved, <clears throat> when we moved, we'll, we'll, we'll tie sports in here. When we moved to BC in in uh, ninety seven, so you come, you change your driver's license, and okay, here's my driver's license. What's it going to cost me? Seventy five dollars? Oh no, you got like a hundred eighty dollar ticket. I go, pardon me, you got a hundred eighty dollar ticket here. I go, <laughs> I'm just like, I just moved here like two weeks ago. I haven't done anything. I've never gotten a ticket in BC. Oh no, it shows you got a ticket. Well, from when? Goes back, goes back. Uh yeah, 19 uh, 1987. What? Can you can you tell me what the ticket is? Uh yeah, o- overloaded vehicle in uh, Penticton. I just, oh. <laughs> So, you know, in the days of a pickup truck, when you threw as many guys as you could in that truck to go from a house to the beach, in which in the truck was former Canuck president and player Trevor Linden, as we were all rolling to the beach. And why? Because we were one of 100 vehicles doing it. I get pulled over. I'm behind the wheel. Hey, you got like 14 guys in here, man. You can't do that. Officer, like we're going three blocks. Yeah, no. And, you know, of course you get the ticket. What do your buddies say? We don't even live here. You're never paying that. Damn right, so I'm never paying it. All right, 13 years later. Hey, welcome to PC. Uh, you want a license? Yeah. Pay this ticket. <laughs> yeah, karma, part payback, all of it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Good times. Uh, we are jam-packed over the next uh, three hours here uh, on the show, 6.50, 6.50, if you want to share your own personal driving misfortunes uh, with uh, Perry <laughs> and I this morning. Um, lots to get to. Elias uh, Pedersen in the news here this morning uh, over making an appearance on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. I, Perry, I, I think sometimes the cancel culture gets – think a little much i can certainly understand how some people like the spit and chicklets podcast isn't for everybody but 
I don't know if people should be outraged that Elias Pettersson made an appearance on that podcast, which has a massive following in the hockey universe. For And, you know, quite frankly, I think Pettersson's about trying to build his brand right now as, you know, I think this market recognizes he's on the cusp of superstardom. I think it's time for the rest of the hockey universe to find out just how good he really is too and the personality he's starting to share out there. There you go. I mean, you you know... Sure, spitting chicklets might be the boy show and locker room talk. Uh, guess what? There's locker room talk there, and Pedersen's been around it. Does he take part in it? Who knows? But he'll have some stories. He'll answer some questions. Maybe they find something out that they didn't know about him. But to say you should never have gone on that, well, really? I mean, it's it's his choice. It's It's a major, you know, it's the biggest podcast in hockey right now in a sense, and it's it's there for a reason, and it's almost, I'm sure, amongst NHL players, hey, a badge of honor, they asked me to come on. Now, Pedersen can choose to say what he wants, and he's still, he's not changing his ways. It's not like we don't know who Elias Pedersen is. You know, he's hanging out. I saw his Instagram. He's, he's going around Stanley Park, riding the scooter, and this is still a young kid hanging out, and he's not going to say anything. Uh, you know, he's raised the right way. It's fine. I don't know why they can get on him. Too much people on their times with this pandemic and sitting at home and deciding, yeah, okay, I'm going to start ripping into him because he should never have gone on there. Please. Well, that's it. Look, it, it's not for everybody, and if you don't like it, don't listen. But, I mean, I think you're very naive if you think, like, look, p- hockey players, current and former, love listening to that show. And I think part of the charm is that those guys take you in the room. Um. And and I think Biz Nasty has even talked about trying to change his own language um, and some of the wording that he has had over the years. But, you know, that guy is still a very well, successful listen, brand James, endorser for fl- big that companies like fly, McDonald's. Right? Yeah. right? Mike Milbury, see you later, you're not working. Jeremy Roenick, see you later, you're not working. Big networks don't like that. Biz is kind of borderline everything, right? And I'm sure he's had some conversations. He's got a lot of money off it. He's built his own brand off it. But now he's probably going, ah, you know, I'm getting a little older. Maybe we don't have to go there. But I think hockey's culture has changed a little bit. But Biz brought that to the forefront. I just don't think, like, just because Pedersen goes on that show, it's you're you're not going to change. He's not changing his person because he goes on it. So maybe the questions might be different, but he can, you know, just say, ah, no, I'm not going to go there. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Doesn't yeah, change go- him. Yeah. I, I'm going. Yeah, I, I'm. Yes. I mean, you know, can we all be better? For sure. But I'm, I'm. I'm leaning towards the no big deal. But you're right. The hockey culture is changing, and we saw that yesterday once again uh, as the Arizona Coyotes uh, they renounced the draft rights yesterday to Mitchell Miller. Uh, if you missed the story, if you've been living under a rock this week, uh, he was their first pick in uh, this month's NHL draft. And the move comes after it was revealed earlier this week that Miller was charged with assault and violating uh, the Ohio Safe Schools Act back in 2016, in February of 2016. So this is almost five years ago now, after he and another student admitted to bullying uh, a young man named Isaiah Meyer Crothers, who is a classmate who is black, uh, has a learning disability. And the team basically issued a statement saying after they learned more about the entire matter and the impact it had on the young man and the family, they just decided, like, this does not align with the core values and the vision for their organization. They apologized to Isaiah and the family, and now Miller is a free agent. I, To me, I, do you think this is simply doing the right thing, or is this just caving to public pressure? Well, I, I'm, I didn't want this kid. I thought it was stupid that they drafted him. Um, and I know people were on me, come on, if 14, give him a chance. I don't like it. Don't like what he did. 
premeditated. He did it on and on. Man, I'm going to throw a lot of this on his parents at 14 to find out your son did that, to not make that apology. I'll give this. I think it's a little bit of both, that obviously the Coyotes didn't think it would be a massive deal. Hockey Alliance diversity comes out and challenges them yesterday. Said, really, has this league changed? But they did say, you know, in further investigation, and I would believe that before the draft, this guy's agent comes out and says, hey, we are not sweeping this one under the rug. He did get accused of this, was charged with this. He was 14. He's 18 now. He's a different kid. We all make mistakes. I don't think the Arizona Coyotes dug any further into it. And then in the last 48 hours, three days, we found out more. We heard from the victim how the victim didn't want any videotape going out that they had. The victim doesn't want to talk about it anymore. And the victim, more importantly, has never seen this kid come to him and apologize face-to-face. He's kind of just moved on. I think with that situation, yeah, um, he didn't handle it right. I know you were saying second chances, second chances. I said not on my team, and maybe there's another team that will bring him on. But I'll tell you, James, I'm not being a hypocrite. For about five seconds yesterday when I read that they renounced the pick, I felt bad for the kid for a second. Ah. He's been put through the ringer, but guess what? I'm throwing more on his parents than him. Should have raised him a little better than what he did, and now he's paying the price. Will he play hockey? Somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be in the NHL. If he's good enough and lights it up somewhere and takes the steps after he finishes playing his game and now is in the community and saying, I, I'm the poster board for being an idiot, he might make it to the NHL. But for now, I'm glad he's not a part of it, and I think Arizona you know, made the right move. I just – he was when when this all came to light it was he was charged in february of 2016 which he was at the time had just turned 14 and so a lot of this would have happened when he was a 13 year old um when this came to light and i i look at the story look he was an ass that kid like honestly and i'd be embarrassed if i was a parent but i think sometimes like it's not always on the parent. You know, I think mm-hmm. like you know, it's it's his own it's his own doing and yes, it's easy to sit there and blame the parent in this case pair. But, you know, this was a kid who acted like an idiot at 13, 14 years of age. And you know, the optic is a terrible look. Everything that he did, I mean, to do this with a kid who with intellectual disabilities, to take a candy pop and wipe it on a urinal and say, "Hey, eat this." Right? to use racially charged language, to do all of it. It's wrong. But this article that came to light, it's a little bit of a he said, she said sort of scenario where the family's saying, you know what, hasn't said sorry. Now, Mitchell Miller's been pretty quiet on this. Have you heard any interviews or seen anything from him? No, you haven't. But if he did say sorry, wouldn't you, and you're fighting for what might be your career, would you not be stepping up? And I would think the Arizona Coyotes have talked to him in the last three or four days. And if, you know, if you've got something to go, no, no, man, they're, they're lying. I said it, I, you know, then you can go into it. I don't know if it's a, he said, he said, she said, I think, unfortunately, that may be the facts that he's never apologized because I would hope that they would have looked into it and he would defend himself. But shouldn't you hear something from him? It did go to the courts, right? Yeah. Like it did go to the courts as a young offender. I, I just, I think to me, this is probably more, look, I think you could look and say from a public standpoint, the Coyotes did the right thing, but I also believe that this was probably more them caving to public pressure. You know, the Hockey Diversity Alliance came out and said, hey, look, zero tolerance here. You're in or you're out. And I think Arizona just didn't want to deal. Look, he's a fourth-round pick. 
Like, the likelihood mm. of this young man playing in the National Hockey League is a long shot to begin with, Pear. A fourth-round pick. Yeah. You know, why do you – I mean, if, at, at the end of the day, if you're an NHL team, do you want to deal with this? Like, do you want to deal with the pain and and the agonizing ordeal to sit there and be subject to all the criticism for a fourth-round pick? No. It is not worth it for a million-dollar company. They walked away. They walked away, and I think it's more about public pressure than for them to think they're doing the right thing. That, that's, that's my two cents on that. Uh, I think there's a little bit of both. Uh, Jono's up this morning, as always. By the way, Jono, do the kids trick-or-treat? He teaches uh, a bunch of great seveners. Uh, he says, you know, their words about addressing the problem and now cutting them loose, such a missed opportunity to take on the issue. I agree. Uh, you know, but, but here's the thing. There are companies that need to take on the issue, but you know what? At 18 now, Mitchell Miller might have to go, okay, how can I change? I'm going to have to prove something different other than just be good enough to to play on an AHL team or play professional hockey in North America. I'm going to have to figure out how I can take on this issue because if I love the sport, I made a big mistake, but I'm good enough and have been getting enough the skills to say I can play this. But now I've got myself and I, I put myself in this corner, so now I, I, I can make myself a better person. Hey, at 18, you can be different when you're 23, 24. That's for sure. Um, but he's got to show a willingness. I don't think he's been given good advice. I don't think there's been great parenting for a bit. And James just say, you know, I can't blame it on the parents. Your oldest is what, 12? Would she ever think of doing something like that? Or have you given her the rights and wrongs and she knows what is right? I I, I don't think you're you're letting the parents off a little bit too easy. No, but I but but man, like I also you you look at kids that have gone sideways and I, they come there. There are a lot of stories of kids doing bad and stupid things and evil and awful things from coming from really good homes, right? And I think sometimes you get a bad apple. Uh, now I don't know the parents, so I can't completely go down that road. Hey, let let, let we'll, we'll continue this in just a little bit here. Pair six fifty six fifty. If you want to weigh in, but we've got Steve Rapp from Sports Interaction inside the lines, trying to get you paid this week in week number eight in the National Football League. Who's waiting patiently here? Um, a trick or treat, my friend? How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm just here to lighten things up a little bit, gentlemen. <laughs> Apparently, Halloween. Yeah, it's, it's getting getting a little dark and serious for uh, six fifteen on a Friday morning. <laughs> Apparently, zero and one last week, guys. Uh, the Cleveland extra point cost me my perfect week and a lot of money. Really? Ouch. Well, I'm not going to yeah, tell you what was... I was last week, Rap. Well, you were, but I started the week before. So why don't you tell me again? Uh, yeah, I was terrible the week before. I went six you and were... one last week. Didn't you go so... seven and zero the week before? No, week before was uh, week before that I was uh, I was awful, uh, but I went seven and zero, gave it back, and now six and one last week, and that started with Carolina last night against so the help. spread. Pair, you're going six and one against the spread, yeah. So in like two of the last three weeks, you've gone seven and zero and six and one. And yes. Rap, I'm not buying this, Steve. I'm not buying this. Well, you know, like I'm recorded, so you can hear my uh, my picks. Uh, you know, we only hear about the ones they win. They don't. We don't hear about the ones they lose. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like that. Ve- I'm like that Vegas Dave guy. Yeah, yeah. I show up. No, it's called documented. Yeah. Uh, what do you like? I'm very curious now because I always I take into consideration what everybody says. New England and Buffalo. Where are you leaning? I like the Bills. Yeah, I talk about a chance to buy low on Bill Belichick here. I mean, if you woke up from a coma. Uh, you would think he landed on a bizarre world Seinfeld episode here where the Patriots opened as a three-point dog in Buffalo, now sit plus four at Sports Interaction. 
Shark Money Books had, were sitting at three and a half, resisting the move. I'm just looking now, and they've all pretty much gone to four now. And I know Tom Brady is in there, and there's a change in the air in the AFC in the East, but some numbers you have to mention. Bills have lost seven in a row to the Pats. They're four and 35 against them since 2000. I think that's classified as ownership in the dictionary. Now to this game, the Bills at five and two have been outscored this season. They couldn't get the ball in the end zone last week against the Jets. Uh, they've been gashed on defense by the run, and that's one thing the New England offense does pretty well. Of course, the Belichick numbers, guys, and I guess history is going to decide how much of this was Brady, how much was Brady and Belichick and everything. But let's give them this until we can, uh, until we can't anymore. 23-11 and two is a dog, 41-17 against the spread off the loss. And then there's an underdog off the loss, 8-0 against the spread and 7-1 straight up. Uh, finally, so much we don't know about COVID and its bounce-back effect. Another week COVID-free from Cam can't hurt. He looked horrible yesterday, but we're all learning something. Uh, I'm going to go New England plus four guys, and I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the money line at plus 164 just for my own fun. Steve Rapp from Sports Interaction inside the line here on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, I mean, over the last, what, 15, 20 years, death taxes and a Patriots win over the Bills has been pretty constant. Uh, Tennessee-Cincinnati, the, uh, the, the MacGyver-like Titans finally ran out of miracles last week, uh, but they got Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Where do you lean towards this one this week? At a five yeah, they have the MacGyver. Yeah, they have a MacGyver type. It's a great, a great way to describe them. But different times calls for different measures. Uh, that's why you're going to be finding me laying a bunch of points in the road and chasing the number while I do it as well, which I really don't do ever. Uh, Titans open three-and-a-half-point road favorites. That's been steamed up to six now behind a ton of public tickets and big bets. Now, the Sharps aren't going to chase the number, but they haven't come in on the other side of that either, which tells me they don't disagree with this move. The Bengals, once again, are the Bungles which is really a shame because they have a real superstar in the making in Joe Burrow. Uh, players and coaches arguing on the sidelines, stars wanting out, is just so Bengals. Uh, this week they won't have 100% Joe Mixon, if at all, and they suffered three more injuries on their offensive line that could reasonably charge with accessory to assault on their QB. Um, that offense can't keep up with the Titans offense. It's fourth in the league in points per game and a defense that held a much better Steelers team to three second-half points last week. Derrick Henry should run wild against the Bengals defense and let the Browns go up and down the field at a whim against them last week. And, oh, yeah, maybe a little bit uh, pissed off from the Titans last week after that uh, missed field goal against Pittsburgh in that big game. I will look for a Tennessee bounce back way in the sixth. Yeah, I like that. The number that jumped out to me is you get a Pittsburgh team with a big number as they got Baltimore. You can't be perfect all year long. What do you think in that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game? Well, here's another example, guys, of uh, this is not a normal season. Um, one thing you can always count up to count on that this matchup was going to be three for someone, and I always took the points because, you know, you've always figured this is going to be a field goal game. That changes here. Ravens open as a five-and-a-half-point dog, and this one has been pros versus Joes. Public piled on the Steelers and the points, pushing this one down to three-and-a-half. Sharps have now played the favorite, driving it back up to Baltimore minus four. And this is all this is about. This is almost unfair scheduling spot for the Steelers. They come off a clash of the undefeated, narrow escape of the Titans. They roll right into their second straight road game against the 5-1 Baltimore team coming off its bye week. That doesn't seem right here. We get to take advantage of that. John Harbaugh's team's 9-3, and three, their last 12 coming off a bye. They're 5-0, and oh, their last five in the division. Uh, Ravens have won the last three in the series. We get to fade the big public team. 
who was nice enough to drive this number down by placing 90% of the tickets on Pittsburgh. So we get a nice sell pr- high price on the Steelers. This is just this is just an unfair scheduling spot, guys. I mean, you just have to look at Baltimore for that reason alone. All right. Well, there you go. I, I, I like the fact that you're not just shying away from a heavyweight matchup this weekend. Um, can you give us a little uh, a little sampling uh, Sunday morning? I know you guys will be breaking it down at 7 a.m. on Sports Interactions Inside the Lines here on Sportsnet 650. You nailed Arizona to shock and awe the Seahawks for their first loss of the season. How do you see uh, the Niners in Seattle playing out a little bit this weekend, Steve? Yeah, that was a little money line sprinkle as well on Arizona. Yes. That was good. Uh, I've been saying all year, if you like the dog, if you think it's live on the road, you might as well play them on the money line. Uh, San Francisco is a three-point dog in Seattle. In Seattle, the money line right now, plus 128. I, I think the Seahawks' luck is running out. Uh, I mean, they got their first loss last week, but they're giving up almost 29 points a game. They're 28th ranked in defense. Niners have just crushed two really good teams, L.A. and New England, by a score of 57-22. What I'm getting to, guys, is uh, this series is always close. Anytime you can take the points in this series as well is usually a good thing to do. It. I'll be taking the, the 49ers and probably another little sprinkle on the money line. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. Money doesn't discriminate. No. It Listen, doesn't. I was, I was, all I was with you right there cheering for Arizona last week. I think Russell bounces no. back. Some good games. Thank yeah, you, Steve. Good. What's your go-to good. Halloween call, uh, bar? My go-to Halloween bar is uh, I'm going to go Henry. Oh, Henry! I'm a, I'm really? A, I'm a licorice. I'm a licorice guy. Red licorice. Oh, you're, now you're just dating I, yourself. I go through all the kids' bags, and as soon as they come in, and I they all know them now. Used to be kids, now it's grandkids. They all know all red licorice comes to me. Nibs or Twizzler? Good call. You know, I go back and forth, but I've just recently discovered, recently decided that I'm a Swizzler guy. And they have these softer, juicy, or those string ones where you kind of pull the little little pieces of the red licorice off. Oh, those were great, yeah. the string ones. There you go. Yeah, they can tie in little knots. And, and yeah, that's, that's really good. Too. I'll go old school, too. I'll take, I'll take Twizzlers with you. Have a great weekend, buddy. Happy Halloween. Hey, too. Happy Halloween. Enjoy, guys. There he is. Uh, Steve Rapp, Sports Interaction, Inside the Line, looking ahead to week's, uh, week number eight action uh, Sunday in the National Football League. All right, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Friday morning. It's Perry. It's James. It's Halloween Eve. We'll dive into much, much more. Uh, we'll talk some hockey. We'll talk also, um, hey, it's been two and a half years uh, since the tragic humble Broncos crash, and now the driver who was responsible for this tragic accident that took claim 16 lives, is now asking to stay in Canada. That story, next, here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 632. And we're doing the match. And you know what, Perry? It was a graveyard And you know what else? What else you And then the monster or maybe it's just the because I always played at Halloween. Uh, I thought we were putting our names in the poll question just so I could win this one today. Mm. But we're not. You want to serve it up? Our poll, yeah, our poll question was uh, your favorite Halloween treat. Um, our choices 
caramel. Was that uh, DJ APD went caramel, didn't he? No, I didn't. Uh, you didn't go. I think Mike's that was a DJ kid, Mike's, APD. Mike's that a was Kit his Kat choice. Guy. Yeah, it's DJ APD's caramel. Yeah, Kit Kat was uh, Mike English. Uh, peanut butter cups was mine, uh, and 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 I had first pick overall. Uh, you went with the Wunderbar. Uh, just I like get my ass right kicked now. on this. How is nobody picking the Wunderbar? Because that's just honestly, I don't know if I've had a Wunderbar in the last thirty years. Where do you come up with that? Like that it's a good a, candy bar. Can you find that on a regular basis? And you go to a convenience store. Like I would have to look hard yes. for it. I never, I, what is that? The yellow wrapping is what? I don't even know what it looks like. Eh, goldish, yeah, yellowish gold. Not, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You've got the you're eleven percent of the people are agreeing with you, and that's probably you know when your girls get up, tell them to, to go in the poll and vote for you because Dad's not going to win. I got forty three percent of the population right now with the peanut butter cups. What's your Alex? Uh, Alex uh, tweeting in at Sportsnet six fifty saying people who choose Kit Kat are the most vanilla people on the planet. Uh. I would say Mike English is vanilla, sure. <laughs> I mean, so that's logical. There's the, you can make the correlation to that. You know, honorable I, mention to Coffee Crisp. Like I'm not. I, I would never. I would never go to uh, go to a grocery store or go to a, a corner store and, and say, you know what? I'm, I feel like a chocolate bar. I'm grabbing. I'm grabbing a Coffee Crisp. But at Halloween, I love rummaging through the kids' stash and taking Coffee Crisps. Yeah, no, I'm big on uh, uh, I'm big on a coffee crisp as well. I, you know what, the, the coffee crisp for me, it actually Halloween is its prime time because I just need the the little one, a full size coffee crisp. And nowadays, but by the way, the size of chocolate bars are crazy, if you want to get the big ones. But uh, just a nice little like a tapas version of a coffee crisp is perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, just the just the right size for a coffee crisp. I'm with and you then on that. And that's one. why just the one peanut butter cup works, right? I don't need 3 peanut butter cups <laughs> or 4 now. Just the one yeah. peanut butter cup works. That's yeah. why Halloween works. I don't need yeah, I don't need to get the sugar. I just need a some of the sugar. I don't need all of it, just some of it. Uh 650 650, let us know your go-to Halloween treat or uh, cast your ballot here at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter and share with us. Uh Peril, I want to get into the, a story here that uh made headlines over the last 24 hours and it's been two and a half years since this country and the entire world for that matter were really left devastated with the news of a crash on a rural highway in Saskatchewan involving the Humboldt Broncos junior hockey team. Canadian officials say the Humboldt Broncos junior hockey team from Saskatchewan was on the way to a game Friday when their bus was broadsided by a semi, killing at least 15. The worst nightmare has happened. The crash claimed the lives of 16 members of the Broncos, left 13 others injured. We left our sticks out front of our homes, we wore jerseys, and raised millions in support of the families impacted, but most of all, we mourned with them. Oh, my gonna play in the big league. My gonna turn some hits. Now the driver of the truck that blew through the stop sign and hit the Broncos bus went to jail for eight years after he quickly pleaded guilty to 29 counts of dangerous driving. A quarter of that sentence will be up coming in March. Now comes word that the driver, Jazz Karat Singh Sadhu, is asking to stay in Canada once he's released from prison. Sadhu was a permanent resident here. 
Under federal law, a permanent resident convicted of a crime that holds a sentence of more than six months can be deported after serving their time. And after serving his sentence, should he stay or should he go? Now, his lawyer points to the fact that Sadu is extremely remorseful of this collision. I take full responsibility for what has happened, he said. It happened because of my lack of experience. I will be so, so, so sorry from this day. Now, Michelle Strasnitsky, whose son Ryan was paralyzed from the chest down in the crash, said to the Canadian press, quote, I feel terrible for his family, and I don't think he should be punished for the rest of his life. But I also don't think he should be rewarded for his deeds, end quote. It's easy to dismiss someone guilty of such a horrible tragedy. Many will argue that he doesn't deserve to be here in Canada after committing such a terrible catastrophe. But when his time is up in prison, he'll continue to serve time in his own mind. Rather than a drawn-out court process, he owned it. He admitted his fault. He admitted his guilt. He must carry the burden of this disaster for as long as he lives, and for someone who is only 31 now, that, in theory, should be a very long time. How many times a day does he have to relive the fact that he took 16 lives? But it wasn't deliberate. And that way, that's the way we shouldn't, as a country, give him the boot. He won't face any worse punishment than what his own mind will give him presently. Scott Thomas, whose son Evan died in that crash back on April 6, 2018, said it best when he told the Canadian press, quote, He's a broken man. And I don't think any more purpose will be served by sending him away from the country where he clearly wants to be with his wife. I know he struggles with this every day, and he'll continue to no matter where he is. And where he should be is right here in Canada. 650-650 if you want to weigh in with your thoughts on whether he should stay or, or face deportation. But Pear, I think he served his time here. I think he should be able to remain here in Canada as well. And the fact that we've talked a lot about owning responsibility for, you know, your past mistakes. We talked about Mitchell Miller. And I think one of the reasons of his undoing here over the last few days is the lack of remorse. I think in this case, Mr. Sadu owned this immediately. There was no drawn out process. He abruptly pleaded guilty quickly and owned it. Mitchell Miller would, at 14, know what he was going to do this day, and then he planned on doing it the next day, and it continued for weeks and weeks. Sadu uh, got into a truck. He had no intention of doing what happened. Chris Joseph, former NHLer, was talking uh, to the media member, and he had just uh, come out of a, a session with his psychiatrist because, you know, you're getting over the death of the son, and he was like many of the other humble parents saying, you know, I just, uh, I, you know, he, he wasn't a Canadian citizen. Uh, I don't see why he should be rewarded and allowed to stay in our country. And I understand that from those parents. But as to you mentioning Scott Thomas and his son Evan being killed and Scott Thomas, who has never lost touch, here's this. And think about good people and strong people, because I wouldn't be the one. Scott Thomas has built... And maybe relationship is a is a tough word. He has reached out and continued to talk to Sadu's wife while he has been in prison to actually see how their family is. Man, that is above and beyond. And as you said, you know, he's a broken man and he will carry this for the rest of his life. 
And our country, I think we are so proud. We are so plight with Canadians. We welcome all. And I am with you. It'll be a tough decision uh, that they will have to make. I understand the argument from both sides, but uh, he did not wake up, jump in that truck, and plan that this was going to happen. He lives with it for the rest of his life. His family lives with it for the rest of their life. One of the greatest tragedies ever. I think we compel it if we send him away. It will be interesting to see what decision is made. No question about it. 650-650. Weigh in with your thoughts here this morning. Lots more still to come. Uh, Ken Reed's got a brand new book, our Sportsnet colleague on the TV side. Um, And we'll talk some hockey with Ken coming up at 7 o'clock. And he's got a great book called Night to Remember about guys who scored just one goal in the National Hockey League. They're one shining moment, if you will. Uh, And we'll get to that coming up just after 7 o'clock. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, 650-650 pair. uh, We'll play Stat Me Up coming up in just a couple moments as well. A lot of people jumping in on the text line with their favorite chocolate bar and their candy bar as well. I just want to put, look at this. Jason texting in here, pair. Wonder bars are wonderful. Pair, you're crazy. Thank you. Say like a lot of people starting to chirp you on this one here. No, you know, you're kidding Wonder me. Wonder Bar for the win. Jesse and Nanaimo. Perry, oh, figure man. it out. Wonder Bar is unreal. Good call, Seaball. Thank you. Shout out to the island this morning. Oh, you guys. Go eat a Nanaimo bar, Jesse. That's great. A Nanaimo bar, Jesse, yes. A Wonder Bar, people? Are you kidding me? Maybe sixth or seventh in the world of chocolate bars is where Wonder Bar falls. That's not the first thing you want in Halloween. Figure it out, people, on a Friday morning. Grab your calculators because it's time to stat me up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. All right, 647 here on this uh, Friday morning. What's going on, boys and girls? James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, Mr. Scott Brown. Happy Friday and an early Halloween greeting to you, sir. Thanks, guys, and, and thanks for playing that, uh, you know, what an act of grace. Eh? Like, I totally agree. Um, I was really glad you played that last story. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. It was nice of you. Do you have a favorite chocolate bar? I used to. Um when I was a kid, I was allowed to keep my Halloween candy next to my bed in a pillowcase. <laughs> and Wait, I had really? too much to eat and threw up. So <laughs> I always Gee. told my kids, <laughs> yeah, so I still have bad memories of certain candies. But probably more a Black Nibs guy. Ooh, oh, another licorice guy. Licorice. Yeah, but black licorice. Ugh. Red licorice. Ugh. Remember the, the I black, just pick thrills the black that, that soap Black gum. Panther bubblegum? Hmm. Remember those old fake uh, cigars with the little candy I'll on the top? <laughs> yes, Popeye cigarettes. Come on. Who yeah, about those? those? Oh, gosh. Love the Popeye cigarettes. Hey, uh, guys, I'll start it out. My number today is uh, 34. Welcome home. Uh, welcome back to an or- the organization. All of Famer, Tony LaRusso, next manager to Chicago White Sox. I don't know when Tony LaRusso left the White Sox for the first time, but if he said, hey, I'll be back, he is. 34 years later to manage the team, that is the longest gap for a coach or manager in either the NBA, the NHL, the NFL to come back and coach and take charge of the team again. So hopefully things are a little bit different 34 years ago as Tony La Russa returns to the White Sox. You know, I... I... 
it's funny. Like he's been around forever. Who wins? Who's more likely to win a World Series or a Stanley Cup? Seventy-eight-year-old Lou Lamorello or seventy-six-year-old Tony Larusa? Mm. Tony, because of where I'll the take Devils Tony are. Tony too. Right yeah, I feel like I'm lean towards Tony <laughs> on that one. All right, yeah. Scotty, what do you got, man? Man, uh, well, I'm not 76 years old and getting a brand new job. <laughs> so that threw me off a bit with that one. Good number. <laughs> I'm going to go with the number five. You almost got to hope it's a cramp, don't you, if you're a Cowboy fan right there? But, oh, that that does not look good, Jim. Oh, no. So as week eight, and that wasn't week eight, but that set the tone for today's conversation, the NFL arrives, many fans and fantasy players are bemoaning injuries. Uh, the NFL certainly understands the impact. Of course they do. And the influence on outcomes, because they always have to report it to make sure the sports betting and Steve Rapp don't get it wrong or aren't, don't have full information. Uh, you look at the Hawks versus the Cards in one game. Well, last night you got Ridley going out, right? You have a lot of fantasy whining and complaining on that one for certain sadness. Uh, you got Carson in one game last week, Hyde, Homer, and the Cards lose Kenyon Drake. Uh, now, would that have been a different game if Jamal Adams had a healthy groan? Probably would have prevented a few Seahawks groans, I'm sure. Uh, now you got to add in OBGA, Prescott, Dalton, etc., and let alone COVID-19. So I provoked the question, what are the top five injuries in support? And I thought it was kind of going to be with all the press around concussions and stuff. I'm not even sure I believe this, but sometimes things are true and they just sound wrong. I asked myself, what are the top, and looked up under sportstherapy.com, top five sports injuries in, in NFL games. And I thought it would have been head and knees, shoulders and, you know, shoulders and toes. Well, it's close, but not really. Knee was number one, 20%. PC, you know, MCL, ACL. Ankle was next. We've heard a lot of those lately, like, including Ridley, about 15% of the time. Upper leg, sort of groin, hamstring, etc., was fourth. Third, shoulder was fourth. And they said that head was last. Now, I'm kind of surprised at this. I'm expected this number to be number one or two, and I was going to shake my head about it, but I don't want to get, want to get a concussion. <laughs> there you go. Safety first, man. Safety first. Exactly. Yeah. But does that surprise uh, you that head was last? Yeah. But think about, well, especially as a kid, what did you always hear that, uh, you know, if you, if you kill the body, the head will fall, right? That was the old boxing uh, analogy, right, yep. uh, for so Shot many to years? the body, the head will fall. Here's uh, here's my number this morning, forty uh, four. So I'm going with a Halloween stat here, guys, because a recent survey says that forty four percent of Canadians list Halloween as their favorite holiday. I mean, it's not even a holiday technically, but forty four percent of Canadians look at Halloween as their favorite seasonal time of the year. <laughs> no, man, that's that's a Sabalski. That's a family tree pole, isn't it? Well, it's not even a holiday, but man, it's fun. Like I'll say this: like with the kids, I, I think I think Christmas trumps Halloween from the loot that the kids ultimately get. But I'll tell you, man, Halloween's close. It's real close in this household. It's fun, man. And here's the other thing: grown-ups like people. I think grown-ups have as much fun going out trick-or-treating because they go out and get drunk. They fill up a big mug and thermos these days and just go get banged up while the kids walk around. And obviously this year is a little different, but I still think if you're moving around and staying outside, not having a big gathering, I think you can still pull this off effectively. 
Uh, I'll say this. Yeah, I, I agree. We had some really good Halloweens. You know, we had some fireworks in the neighborhood. And yeah, you, you dress up. Yeah, you're listen, you're you you're in the sweet zone for Halloween with your family over there, right? You you've got the sweet spot. So I understand that. I, I wouldn't have voted that high, but but I can figure that out. You wouldn't go <laughs> to a Halloween party? Stuff? You wouldn't go to a Where Halloween party as an adult? Oh no, I have. I those could be creepy. That, <laughs> too much work. What do we got for real estate, Scotty? Well, first of all, Perry, I'm just shaking off the fact you just called him you called our good friend the Halloween Griswold. <laughs> <laughs> he is though I know alright I'm going to go five we're coming up October stats will be out uh, end of sales day tomorrow they'll be out early next week we'll talk about them but I've been looking recently at the top five market areas in Vancouver that posted the highest in Metro Vancouver highest increase year over year this might surprise you just like the head uh, head injury thing Tawasson number one 200% increase year over year West Van 98% North Van, 94%. Those are not, uh, those are pricey markets. Port Moody, 83% increase. And then Maple Ridge, 65% increase. Four of the five, what they have in common is they generally have a higher level of household income. So I guess you could say they're probably less impacted by COVID from a jobs perspective. Uh, but it's interesting to see those markets on Tawasson leading the way in terms of the most year-over-year growth. Some of that's uh, also got some really new supply coming. The other thing is we don't hear much about these days when the market's this hot. We haven't heard anything about foreign buyers, and immigration is basically non-existent, and yet this market's still going crazy. Whereas a year or two ago, everybody was looking to create, you know, find the foreign buyer that was the villain behind all the inflation. You know, it, it this explains why our market in our neighborhood here in Tawasson has been, you know, a, a sign goes up, a sign goes down. It's it's crazy how fast it's been going and how the, insane the market has been. 200%. <laughs> the numbers aren't lying on that one. Hey, Scotty, happy Halloween, man. This is always a yeah, lot of fun good... catching up, and uh, you be safe out there. Yeah, you guys have a good time. Everybody else be safe out there, too. And, uh, geez, I can't believe November's here already. I know. Yeah. Movember's here. Movember's here. Uh, there he is, Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Just Real gotta... Estate and Marketing, uh, weighing in with Stat Me Up this morning on Sportsnet 650. Five minutes to 7 o'clock. He's Perry. I'm James. Greg Balak on the other side of the glass. We'll be joined by Ken Reed from the Sportsnet TV side. Uh, we'll talk some hockey. Plus, we'll also dive into a great new story he's got on bookstore, uh, bookshelves and bookstores now called A Night to Remember. We'll get into all of it next right here on Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Ryan to Gurley. Left side. Touchdown, Atlanta. Todd Gurley took a Darius Taylor into the end zone with him. And his eighth rushing score of the year has pushed the Atlanta lead now to eight points. These guys are here to break it all down. I think everybody would understand this. How rare it is to get an opportunity to manage a team that's this talented and this close to winning. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. <laughs> this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Friday, ready to roll into a weekend, ready to roll into a Halloween weekend. Sabalski here, Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning on this Halloween Eve. Kids ready to trick-or-treat tomorrow. Should be optimal weather. If you're going to be outside, do it safely. 
And here's hoping that uh, we don't have any uh, massive Halloween parties that cause another spike in the numbers that we've seen here in the last few weeks. Nine straight days now of cases over 200 pair. Yeah, worst day in the states yesterday, Everett's. Yeah, we got to be smart about it. I mean, I mean, the great thing is you're outside, but uh, let's be smart. We have uh, opened up a can of worms, if you will, with regards to your favorite Halloween treat, which is part of our poll question. But you and your love for Wonder Bar, I, I've taken it on the chin, although you're losing in the polls. But uh, a lot of thought. Rick from Cowichan uh, texting us this morning. Enjoying the conversation. Six fifty, six fifty. It's so important. Halloween treats. He says, you're missing the point here, guys. Your question is, what is your favorite candy at Halloween, not your favorite candy? So, well, Henry is perfect in those bite-sized bars. The best candy to steal from kids' bag at Halloween is Almond Joy. Now, he says steal. I'm, I'm assuming it means take from his own kids. Uh, never buy it. Just take one from the kids' goodie bag. Man, I don't know if I've ever had an Almond Joy. Although oh, Almond Joy had one of the great... Didn't it have almond joys got nuts? Mounds don't. It had a great jingle back in the day. You know, Never you know what actually has become a bit of a sneaky candy bar that's become pretty good. Like just it's not one I ever thought about wanting when I was here. Bounty. Bounty's a nice treat really? every once in a while. The coconut. Yeah, yeah, every once in a while. All the joy I would never pay for, but when the border, I do enjoy when the borders are open to go to a gas station and look at the the variety that they have south of the border. I feel they have a a much bigger selection south of the border. Like there was a time the Babe Ruth bar, you would never find in that anywhere here, right? The baby, yeah, baby Ruth. You know, there was a commercial as a kid. There was, I was so wanting to try this candy bar called Whatchamacallit. It was on, man, it was Saturday morning cartoons yes. back in the day. There was a commercial for Whatchamacallit, like in between every cartoon, it seemed like. And I finally, you know, years later, I finally get to America and I'm like, I'm getting a Whatchamacallit. I got to try this after all the hype. And it was over freaking rated. Really? Yeah, it wasn't very good. Mr. Big, Mr. Big, I revisited, and that's good. Yeah, here's one. Did you ever have, and and text in if you have, because to me, one of the best ever, and and how this this company did not last, didn't you love the wigwag bar? Wigwag, right? It was toffee, it twisted up. No. And it was, oh, I love the wigwag. It was big. It was inconvenient because it was long. It was the size of a ruler. Yeah, uh, but then and that could never be a Halloween treat. It was like Rick, the give eat more. That. Yeah, yeah, like the, the eat more. Treat just is that. different things going to the store. Yeah, like that eat more, that toffee stuff. Like no thanks. I, I, I don't even know oh, if I've ever actually had anymore. a wigwag. Oh, I, I tell you, uh, eat more is underrated. Eat Ugh. more is underrated. Ugh. See, how can you? How can people be? How can you be winning? See, like this is where the polls are flawed, right? Look at all the people texting in, raving about how good Wunderbar is, and yet it's getting no love in the polls. This could be exactly next week at the U.S. presidential election pair. All the polls telling you that Biden's going to win, Biden's up comfortably, and then people quietly going out and voting for Donald Trump, right? This is yeah, this is this is the uh, disrespect. So. This is the I, parallel I, I for listen. Halloween candy right now. Wonder Bar's done nothing to offend me. I just don't like it. That's not the case south of the border. I think Wonder Bar just hangs up. But, uh, yeah, Peanut Butter Cup's leading the way at 45% right now. That was my choice. Uh-huh. Caramel doesn't get a whole lot of love considering it's, it's you know, the, the magical mystery of candy bars. 
<laughs> Look at this. Jason and Suri and somebody else also texting in here. A couple people with a couple of votes here for Big Turk. No, please. You have like jelly in that candy bar? Really? Is that right? Uh, that was like the, uh, was it Cherry Blossom? Where you could buy oh, yes. the, yeah, the big chocolate chunk of with chocolate. the Machino cherry in it? Yeah. Oh, I'm shivering right now just thinking of that crap. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's, a, there's a few people um, that have become, that I knew along the way that were scientists uh, or went to school and, and became scientists. And I remember um, I remember someone telling me she was in school for this or finished school, and I remember she had said to me years ago, the worst thing you could possibly eat is a maraschino cherry with the amount of dye. She's like, you do not even want to know what goes into it. It's just bad news. Do not use. And I like who didn't have a Shirley Temple as a kid when you go to a restaurant with mom and dad, right? You got the Shirley yeah, Temple yeah. drink. You're a fancy Nancy sitting there with your drink, right? As a kid. Yeah, yeah. The maraschino cherry, bad news, apparently. I feel like Ken Reed would have never subscribed to having a maraschino cherry or a Shirley Temple with his old school hockey values who joins us here this morning. Kenny, how are you, man? I'm good. Maraschino cherries are disgusting. Like they're they're <laughs> just gross. However, as a child at uh, restaurants with my parents, I definitely did enjoy the odd Roy Rogers. The Roy Rogers? What was in a Roy Rogers? Shirley Shirley Temple, but for, for guys, Dad would make us call it a Roy Rogers. Oh, where was that for my parents? <laughs> I, I'd say, I'll have a Shirley Temple, and Dad'd say, it's a Roy Rogers boy. So then I'd say, I'll have a Roy Rogers. But yeah, nice. and I'd down him in about two gulps. What was it? Seven up and just that. Seven up grenadine. Or yeah. yeah, grenadine. Yeah. Grenadine. Yeah. Seven shot up. of rum. Well, I'll yeah. eat it. It was that in a shot of rum. <laughs> Yeah. Not that yeah. there's any sugar sweetener in that little drink for the kids to climb the walls. Oh, oh no, no, that that'll calm you right down before you dive in for your Swiss chalet. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, then you drink then you drink the dipping sauce uh, after that with the at Swiss. So it's all it all it all works. Yeah, and then yeah, and, and then uh, I, we had a we had a, a neighbor kid he'd never been there before, and we tricked him into drinking the lemon lemon juice too that you wipe your fingers with. So. This is you not know, the yeah. time to be admitting to doing stuff as a kid to other kids, my friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have wild times. Once you get once you get cranked up on the Shirley Temples, you never know what'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to before we get into the book, uh, you want to vote on our uh, poll question: favorite uh, favorite Halloween treat? Wonder Bar is where Seaball thinks we got Kit Kat, peanut butter cups, or caramel. I'll go peanut butter cups, definitely. Thank you, definitely. Ken. Thank I you. Still Ken. raid the kids. You're welcome. I still yeah. raid the kids' bags for those. Yeah, absolutely. Ken Reed with absolutely. us here on Sportsnet uh, 650. Um, Ken, before we kind of, you, you've got a great new book. I want to get to uh, one to remember, and and I want to get to that momentarily. But but first things first. Obviously, man, you love your hockey. You eat, sleep, yeah. you poop it uh, nightly on the highlight shows. You're talking about it all the time. I mean, we all got into this business, and you especially, for the love of the game. Um, but tell me this, uh, you know, you look at the off season these last few weeks, let's look at the home team here from a Canucks standpoint. What have you make of what yeah. they've done this off season with Holtby and Schmidt coming in? And obviously a lot of guys not coming back this year with Markstrom, Tanev, Levo, uh, Fantenberg gone, Troy Stetcher. I mean, what do you make of this off season here? Well, it's definitely one of the most interesting off seasons in the league. And it's like, uh, it's out with the old, in with the new, but it's out with the old that you obviously didn't want to lose. Like losing Markstrom's tough, especially when you lose him to a player um, within the division. Uh, hope he's a pretty awesome goalie, obviously. 
But it's kind of strange because Vancouver, I think, was just they were in a really good spot, right? They were just kind of it seems like they were climbing uphill, and now I wonder if they're just hitting a spot on that hill where they're going to have to to rest for a while, you know, before you get to that summit. I don't know what the the mountain climbers call it, but when you you're climbing Mount Everest and you got to set up a tent or two and wait a day or so. Uh, I, I'd like to see them keep climbing, but I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how all these new guys come together. Uh, it's it's almost like, to me, if you're a Canucks fan, it's, the offseason is a bit of a punch in the gut, but the fact that they had, did have a Holtby come in, it, it lessens the blow. But Markstrom's been so good for them. It, it, it's it's got to be it's got to be really tough, especially especially losing them to the Flames. I think that makes it even tougher. Do you think the Flames, and we've had this conversation last week, I mean, Tanif, Markstrom, Deming, Josh Levo, um, are the Flames, if you look at, you know, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, the team in rear view that, that became better over the last month? Uh, I think so. I like that idea for the new Flames jersey with the Canucks logo on it. I thought that was pretty good. But the <laughs> Flames have been searching for a goalie forever, right? Yep. So ever since Kiprasov left. So they needed that. They addressed their – to me, the, the Flames are the team uh, in, in the division that addressed their one biggest glaring need. Like, people can look at the Flames and say, oh, they, they can't win with good draw. they got to address the core. That's fine. But the, uh, to me, their biggest need was goalie. So they did address that. However – with the Canucks bringing in Holpe, I mean, Holpe Markstrom to me, it's it's not that much of a difference. I think they're both elite goalies. It's just can Holpe kind of maybe regain that form we saw from from a year or two ago. But yeah, I mean, in terms of a team that addressed its biggest glaring need, uh, it's it's definitely the Flames in that division for sure. I mean, I I, I couldn't tell you what the Oilers' most glaring need is. I don't think anybody knows how to solve the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but, like, I mean, for the Canucks, I mean, losing Tanev's tough, losing Markstrom's tough, but at, but at least they were replaced. Like, Schmidt deal is an absolute steal. Like, I just – you that's one of those trades you look at on paper. If you're a hockey fan going, okay, what can Vegas get for Schmidt? You know, you're really thinking a third rounder, that's it? Like, that is just an amazing deal for, for Vancouver. Yeah, I, I tell you what. I mean, they were. I think they were ready to burn bridges out here after the weekend that it was when free agency started, and then all of a sudden sure. turn around and pick up Nate Schmidt for a third rounder felt like a massive win and redemption for right. Jim Benning and what company. Is, what is? Yeah. What does Rocky say, boys? It's not if you get hit hard; it's if you get hard, if you get <laughs> up, right? And and the Canucks at least have gotten up. So now we'll see what they can do with it. Who's the team? Who's the best team in the country then? Oh, jeez, man, that's well off the top of my head right now. I still have this soft spot for Winnipeg, but I don't know if they'll ever recover. Um, best team in Canada right now, on paper? Yeah, like which team Which team would you take your chance with? If I was to gamble, I'd gamble on Calgary or Vancouver, if I was to pick one. I, I wouldn't gamble on Toronto if you, if you literally gave me your money to gamble with. Montreal, I'm not convinced. They've, I, 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 I love Josh Anderson. I've had a man crush on Josh Anderson forever. I think he's just a fantastic hockey player. But I don't know if that's enough to, to put Montreal to where they want to be. So I would go with uh, Vancouver or Calgary. But but both Vancouver and Calgary have a lot of question marks for me now compared to compared to what they have. Because I mentioned, like, Calgary brought in Markstrom, which is awesome. That's their biggest glaring need. However, now they have their other glaring need. Is, and the, the question remains, can you win with, with, with that core up front? So uh, I'd, I'd put my money on Vancouver or Calgary at the moment. It sounds weird not going with Edmonton because they have two of the most – 
electrifying players in the game. But I think the past, I don't know, since 2000, whatever, six proves you can't really bet on Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Uh, Ken Reed joining us. Uh, good time to buy a book. You always come up with really <laughs> unique ideas for books. How'd you come up with this one? Uh, I guess the, the easiest way I came up with this one is um, it's an extension of, of one night only, which was about one game. So what's better than one game? How about scoring at least one goal in the NHL? So I'm like you guys. I'm sure when you guys picked up the old road hockey stick and fired that orange ball that injured all your friends in road hockey during uh, your childhood, you dreamed of scoring a goal in the NHL. And when I play road hockey in the backyard with my kids and I shoot the ball in the net, I I still like to maintain that inner child and look at hockey a lot. of. I try to maintain the way I looked at hockey when I was 10 and really get that pure love of the game. So that's where I got the idea for the book. It's just that inner child, that dreamer, still dreaming what it would be like to score in the NHL. So after one night only, which which did okay, um, I guess the next thing is, well, what would it be like to score one goal in the NHL? And then I asked our stats guy, Steve Fellin, at work, and he gets me a list of approximately 400 guys. I go, and I'm like, wow, that's it's pretty cool that, that there's 400 guys in that club because of the 6,500 men who've skated in the NHL, 1,500 never score a goal. So I look at things as from, wow, you scored a goal in the NHL as opposed to, oh, that guy only got one. Like, I think scoring one is amazing. So uh, printed off the list, started looking at the names, and away we went. And then off you go, and, and and the names you go. There's one that kind of stood out for me, and uh, a friend of the show, and Mike Brown, um, who yeah. played uh, briefly for the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, Mike, obviously a Surrey boy, uh, originally from out here this way. But uh, who are some of the other notable names uh, along the way that kind of share their stories? Yeah, so that's the beauty of it. There's a few names when I went down the list that I knew, and there was obviously tons that I didn't because these are guys whose stories have never been told, but. Immediately, the guy who jumped out to me was Dave Hansen of the Hansen Brothers. I mean, so many people mm-hmm. love Slapshot, but even Dave admits a lot of people don't even know he played in the NHL, let alone scored a goal. Um, Dennis Bondy, the most penalized player in pro hockey oh. history. He only got one goal? He got one goal in about 100 Jeez. games. Oh, I was he, in Edmonton when he was there. Dennis the Menace. He was great. I only got one how goal wild was that, eh, when he came up? Like just unbelievable. Everything. Like, I mean, it just oh. took that city. Oh, it's, it's the tough guy, right? In that era, he had a few yeah. weeks where just everybody loved Dennis Bonvey. Yeah. He's a guy who like in the book, he says, when I went to major junior, I didn't know how to turn both ways. Like I could cross <laughs> over one way. So they had to work with him. Right. Um, another guy who I've always loved as a player. I don't know if you guys will, if, if your audience will know him, but he had the best nickname in hockey history to me. Uh, his name was Frank Beaton, and the legend is when he started in pro, his nickname was Never, Frank Never Beaton. Then he became Frank Seldom Beaton, and then it was time to retire when his name nickname changed to Always. So Frankie Beaton's <laughs> in there, and and he actually gives me the he gives you the real story on that nickname. But uh, Frankie's in there. Um, there's some like there's some players that were really good hockey players that were just caught in the wrong era. You know, guys like that. Like, there's a there's a guy in the book named Darren Hadar who's in the American Hockey League Hall of Fame. And he's, I, like, I did a ton of research on him. He's just a wonderful hockey player. But he was just, you know, he played up until around, you know, 2008. And just when the small guy was welcome in the game, uh, was coming in, he was going out. 
And there's there's like Alan Nazardine who coached uh, Jersey this year. He's yeah. in there. His one goal was assisted by Sidney Crosby. It was a buzzer beater at the Bell Center. But, uh, yeah, Mike Brown was awesome to talk to. I got his number actually from Terry Ryan. I'm sure you guys know Terry. probably had him on the show before. Uh, great guy, author, former Tri-Cities legend in the dub. And he's like, oh, yeah, when we played with Brownie, we called him first-round Brown because mm-hmm. we played with him in Red Deer. And he went in the first round. He always told everybody first round, so first-round Brown. So Mike's story is awesome. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's just guys in the book that – Man, there's guys who thought they should have scored 500. There's guys who were thrilled to score one. There was guys who lost the puck playing pod hockey in their backyard, could care less. And so, goalies too, right, Kenny? Really? Like there's goalie yeah, stories. Yeah, man. you, you got to have the goalies in there. So Billy Smith, first goalie to score a goal. Um, Billy doesn't do a lot of interviews anymore, but uh, he did one for the book. I was very fortunate. Billy's a great guy. Why does and, he not talk uh, anymore? He just doesn't want to bother with it. Like he's just... I do a lot of charity events with Billy here in uh, in in the Toronto area. We do uh, some hard stroke stuff, some Easter Seal stuff, and he's just kind of like, I don't know. I just I, I I just don't want to do it anymore. You know, I'm kind of past that. And how good he was! Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's there's a name oh. that kind of gets forgotten amongst the greatest goalies of all time, but there's a guy right. who backstopped a team to four straight Stanley well, Cups. And hey, Canucks fans that hey, remember 1982, yeah, 82 yeah. exactly, and and I, vicious. Like, he didn't want to go oh. to the crease with Billy Smith oh, either, right? Oh, God. Like, he swung his stick. And it was the, it was the old coho, too, right? Like, the old wooden coho. That <laughs> yeah, was it was heavy. 14 and a half. That was oak. It was a piece of oak. <laughs> it was yeah. a piece of oak. And I vividly remember, like, as a kid, watching that series, and I, cheering for the Canucks, and I told Billy, the first time I met him, I'm like, I hated you so much. <laughs> I hated you so much. And he's such a nice guy. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure you guys have met players. You grew up and you're like, oh, I hated that guy. Yeah. He's yeah. such a nice fella. And I, I told him, I said, there was one time you guys were playing the Oilers and you wore that weird mask that stuck out. And you got a shot and went right up under that, your mask and hit you in the throat. And you went down and I go, and I jumped up and I was cheering. Like, I'm like <laughs> nine years old going, yeah, yeah, he hit Billy Smith in the throat. And he's such a nice guy. So <laughs> Billy Billy got a goal. He was the first goal in the NHL to score. And Billy's one of those guys. He doesn't care. He's like, yeah, whatever. Even It was even after the game, you know, they corrected it to my goal. He goes, and nobody even made a big deal of it. But like sign of the times, right? Like 1979, the Islanders are playing the Colorado Rockies in Denver. He scores. There's probably a Colorado beat reporter on the game. And there's probably maybe two Islanders reporters. So, yeah, the goalie scored. Oh, that's a nice little sidebar. Whereas today, you know, Pekka Rene scores a goal last year, and we're leading the show with it, and it's, it's just different times. So it was neat to to go down different uh, rabbit holes and see what goals meant to people then, what they mean now, because things change over time as well. Yeah, and I would imagine everybody you talked to, Ken, knew exactly. Oh, I can barely remember. I think everyone would have a pretty vivid memory of their, their one and only in the NHL, am I right? Harry, that was the shocker, man. I was like you. I thought everybody would remember every detail. Some guys were like, nah, I don't know. I think it was on a rebound. Other really? Guys could tell you. Seriously. And But most other guys could tell you every detail. Some guys couldn't. Most guys could. But that that's what got me is like, as a fan, as, a, as just a guy that dreamed of it, right? Um, yeah. My perception was a little altered. Because it's not necessarily everybody's dream. Like, some of the guys in the book, one guy admitted, like, he played just because he thought 
that's what he was supposed to do. He's like, I was good. Everybody thought I'd play in the NHL, so I did. Did it for a year or two. That was enough. And I'm kind of going, wow, that's that's crazy. But uh, but then there was guys that it was uh, Rob Skurlock who played in Kamloops, and he, Rob was thrilled when he played in the Rocky Mountain Junior League to get a tracksuit. Like he's like he was like that was the I thought that was going to be the peak of my hockey career. But he kept working and working, grinding and grinding, and he got a goal, and he remembers every second of it. So I found that the guys that that grinded for it and had that fiery passion, um, they remember every second of it. But it did amaze me that not everybody had that 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 fiery passion for that goal. But I think that's what that's what makes players who they are, right? Like to me, like Dale Howarchuk could remember every goal he ever scored, and Dale had that passion. And that's one of the things that made him so great. And I think that's another thing that makes the, the very best, the very best is they do have that passion. The recall. And maybe some of the guys in the book weren't, they just, that they just didn't have that burning fire inside them. And that's something you can't make, right? Like my brother and I growing up, he played rep hockey. He was way better than me, way better than me, but he didn't have that passion. I, I was like midget C and I would do everything I could to try to make like the midget B team. There wasn't one, but I would have tried to make, and my brother was just kind of like, Meh. yeah. So, we always say if he we combined his skill and my passion, we'd at least have a junior A player, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, but you either want it. Guys, you, just don't have it. Yeah, no, you either want it or or you don't. And that there's that internal fire that you know you can have all the yeah. talent in the and, world, but you know if you, if you don't if you don't truly if you're not truly passionate right. or win at all costs, I totally agree. Uh, the book is called but, but One you, to Remember. Uh, yeah. Ken Reed, best-selling author. Man, you are known as a Canadian best-selling author now. You've had a few hits already, and this one sounds like it's going to be another hit as well, just in time for the holiday season. Uh, it's great to catch up with you. Stay safe out there, and uh, and happy Halloween, buddy. Boys, nice talking to you. What's your favorite chocolate bar, Seaball? I go. I went with Wonder Bar. I went with Wonder Bar. You can't go. You can't go for- wrong with Wonder Bar. But Perry, it's not quite the peanut butter cup, is it? No, Peter, and all you need is one. Kenny, all you need is one. You don't need three anymore. That's why Halloween and the peanut butter cup, like, perfect legit, symmetry. Like, but I'll say this just quickly, guys. Like, yeah, if I'm yeah. going to the store and getting a chocolate bar, like, they don't, you never see it for Halloween. Like, you never see somebody giving them out. But, like, if I'm just going to the store for a chocolate bar, mm-hmm. I'm going for a dairy milk, just a solid milk chocolate yeah. dairy okay. milk chocolate bar. Straight okay, up chocolate. Seabal, I'm, I'm going to tweet you guys a picture right now. It's a little known fact. Well, it's actually a known fact. If you come to the Reed's house in the neighborhood, you get the full chocolate bar. Okay. Oh, you're that house. Yeah. That's boosting ratings. Not everybody loves your house. house now. Good for you. So right now, I'm going to come down and I'm going to go into the closet. Here we are, above the fridge. I'm going to get them out. And my my friend, you'll be happy to know that there are. Wonder Bars. Okay, so I'm going to take this picture. I'll treat it to you guys right away. So if you happen to be trick-or-treating in my neighborhood, which you're not allowed to do, technically, but if you come knock on my door, we'll give you guys a full Wonder Bar. There you go. To win for the Reeds. To win for the Reeds. <laughs> Happy okay, Halloween, buddy. You See take you care. Happy Halloween. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. One to take Remember care. is the book. Uh, it is available now. You can find it on Amazon or your local bookstore. You know what? Hey, this is a perfect opportunity to support local. So, you know, go find that neighborhood bookstore 
and you can get a copy of One to Remember, which is available now from Ken Reed joining us here this morning on Sportsnet 650. A reminder that this hour is brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Buda Street in Vancouver or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. We're up against the clock. Prepare. Coming up in an hour, we've got, man, you talk about going, maximizing your skills, going from the hockey rink to being a rock star. Yeah, exactly. Everybody loves the voice, don't they? So how do you get from the rink, the stink, the stink, the stick, the puck to the voice? Uh, we'll tell you a local guy who's battling across the pond. Looking forward to that interview. That's ahead, plus a little P.S., not B.S. On 728, Halloween Friday. Can we call you that? No wonder. Recess pieces for the win. 728, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Seven thirty-three on this Friday morning. You know, I feel like always this week. You know, Thriller gets played a lot around Halloween, and rightly so. But man, it's kind of the one time of the year kind of play thriller again and you're just reminded the biggest album in the history of this planet thriller man it was so good and there's a reason why everybody had it because it was amazing the video alone was so cutting edge i mean it was a movie right i mean people were gathering around their tvs to go okay it's about to happen went on forever uh, you know, who would have thought the career would end like that? Uh, something else. But the Miller, the, the, the Thriller album was great. I, last night, first touchdown for Carolina. They bust out the Thriller dance moves. <laughs> That's good. That worked. Man, remember when in the NFL they wouldn't allow them to celebrate touchdowns? The stupidest rule ever. Let these guys show their character, man. Let athletes celebrate when they do something right. But Thriller was great. I may be back. Hey, did you, you saw the hologram on the... Uh, Kim Kardashian's. What the hell was that? <laughs> like, how would you feel if you had, like, like honestly, like, like m- both my parents were still alive, thankfully. Um, but, like, I mean, if somebody sent me, like, as a, as a birthday present of a hologram, like, if anybody's missed this, Kim Kardashian got for her birthday a hologram video from her husband, Kanye, of her dad, the late Robert Kardashian. Like I was waiting for OJ to pop out and say, "Hey, what you know? What do you know?" Right? Like just talking about making some fantasy football picks or something along those lines. Like that was like I wouldn't want to see my grandfather in this made-up video. That's disturbing. Think, so, so what does he find a a voice expert to do the voice, and then just puts him up there and then created a speech? Where her father, Robert Kardashian, who if people don't know, defended OJ and they were family friends, just says, you know, you're 40. I'm so proud of what you be like. There was a massive creepy factor to this, like two and a half, three minutes long. Like, unfortunately, I just started thinking, okay, that, that must be a business they're starting or something. But yeah, it's just they live in a different world. I don't know. I, apparently the Kardashians liked it, but I don't know. You're right. You want to see a hologram of someone like this? Is, that's. That's creepy Halloween stuff, if you ask me. 
Um, 7.36, a reminder, this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuta Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. So did you see the story that came out last night that Trevor Lawrence, like the face of U.S. college football right now, Mm -hmm. the NCAA, he has tested positive now for COVID-19. And so now the question is, will he be able to play in the biggest game of the year coming up next Saturday when they go to South Bend, Indiana to take on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, the number four ranked team in the country right now? Like Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft next year if he ultimately decides to say, all right, you know what, I'm ready to be a Jet, right? Like if he's going to go, he'll be the first overall pick. But Pear, like look at the names that have tested positive in the sports world over the last month, right? Connor McDavid, Cristiano Ronaldo, Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. you know, Nick Saban, and then he does, suddenly didn't. Justin Turner in a bubble got COVID-19. Right, and here we are now. And so the 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 tricky part for Trevor Lawrence is that individuals who test positive for COVID nineteen, you got to isolate for a minimum of ten days. So, if you're basing it on the numbers him testing positive, or at least the results coming out yesterday that he had tested positive for COVID nineteen, it's not ten days. You get to next Saturday when you play the Irish. So, I any bet that he plays, I guarantee he'll play. I guarantee yeah, I, he'll play. Yeah, college football uh, COVID rules are uh, 10 days or depending what is on your schedule. And if it's a big game, it's a big game. We saw with Nick Saban, who was showing around. Uh, you know, and the thing is, Dabo Sweeney comes out, really didn't say much about, you know, we're, we're too bad for Trevor. It's, yeah, it's next man up. It's a really good opportunity for the backup quarterback. There's not a lot of compassion there. That is such big business. Um not surprised, but great point by you. You can take athletes at the very top of their game uh, in their respective leagues that have been hit by COVID. Now, uh, most of them have bounced back. But, you, you know, Cam Newton was so bad last week. And I know Steve Rapp was saying he likes Cam Newton to cover against Buffalo with the New England Patriots. How long does it linger? Like, how long does it linger? Todd Furman, who was our regular Thursday guest, Bet the Board podcast, we didn't even know, but just in conversation with Furman yesterday, he said, you know, actually, no, in, in June I caught COVID. Me and my uh, my girlfriend caught COVID. And he said, I'll tell you what, that knocked us down for a long time. Like, it lingers for a long time. So are we going to see Ronaldo bounce back, uh, Lawrence back, bounce back, Cam Newton so bad last week? Is it because... Yeah, his body's not 100%, but yeah, it's out there. I mean, the safe six is what they're saying here in BC. Just keep your six friends and make get, make that your pod. But you're right, down in the States, man, they wanted to push through. They didn't want to have any stop with their college football. Trevor Lawrence, their marquee face going down. He'll be back next week. That, and that's it, right? It's it's just the him, him getting in there. Now, look, the reality is, is he's, you know, he'll in all likelihood be fine, right? You know, yep. like at, at his age and what we've seen from the numbers, but it's the after effects of how it's impacted some athletes. You know, I think a lot of people have started to look at Cam Newton and say he hasn't been the same player since he had COVID-19, right? And the St. Louis Blues, whether you want to buy it or not, but they kind of su- suggested that, you know, recovering from COVID. Remember, because they, they had about eight or nine guys on the roster, you know, in that training camp from the return to play pair, they got sick with COVID-19. 
several members of the roster, and they talked about afterwards after they were eliminated by the Canucks that it might have impacted them in kind of really finding their groove as a team. So, you know, what are the long-term effects or, or what does the impact play on some of these individuals, you know, once they're ultimately deemed healthy and ready to go? You know, is this going to have an impact on Trevor Lawrence going forward on, on the rest of this season for him? Yeah, I, know. I, I think that that's part of it, right? That's still the unknown as to the lingering effects of it. And, you know, we mentioned those who have had it. There will be more who will catch it. I think for the most part, uh, it was the Houston Texans that had to shut down their facility. Uh, others have gotten into it. The Jets have had some issues this week. Uh, it's out there. It's constant. The numbers aren't changing. I think Mike English just sending us Ontario, releasing the numbers just under 900 today. Uh, so it's going to affect these athletes. You know, the most interesting thing for Justin Turner now as we wait, and I think the calm has stopped with that, is, okay, how did he get it? When will we know from Major League Baseball who was the tracer? How did how did that get into that Major League Baseball bubble as they got into it? So everything we try and all these sports put so much money to, to avoid it, um, pro sports, yet, you know what, we get set for a Halloween weekend and we're having fun, you'll be outside, but you know, you know, people are having Halloween parties. You just, you know, that's what so many people wait for. Um, Got to be smart about it all. Like, go as a doctor, wear a mask. Isn't that simple enough? <laughs> well, if there was ever I'm a, a year to be wearing a mask, this is this is the year, right? Or, or do you think the maskers that are out there for Halloween yelling at people saying, you know, don't be wearing a mask? They're out there. Like I, I had to drive. I had to get my uh, driver's license yesterday. So I mean, the protocol is very good. Everybody have to have the mask. But I was kind of surprised. Um, after that, I just went by the grocery store, and there had to be a couple. I'm going to say they're over eighty. I'm going to assume uh, husband and wife, and the husband's not wearing a mask, and the wife is. Now I tried to think. Okay, maybe, maybe they only had one, or they forgot one, and he was, you know, chivalry is not dead. He goes, honey, you wear the mask. But boy, I'm just thinking, really, why are you in here? Like you're you're in that in that target group. So there are some people who are still out there. Uh, 7.42 on this Friday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Uh, your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock at 8. We'll also dive into uh, the Seahawks to get ready to collide with the 49ers uh, coming up with Larry Stone, uh, who covers the Seahawks uh, just after 8 as well. But in a moment, no BS, just straight up PS. We'll explain next right here on SportsCent 650. <laughs> Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 747, Pear, Ken Priestley, a Stanley Cup winner, guy who says mm -hmm. uh, Mario owes him everything for winning those cups in Pittsburgh, uh, says uh, Snickers is his go-to Halloween candy. Really? What does Kenny end up it's with okay. goal-wise? Would we guess? 20, uh, I don't have his numbers off the top, but I think he scored more than one. I think he got, yeah, oh, no, he's got no, a few goals. I'm going to say he's in the 20s, 30s. I guess we can look, Ken, or he could text you. Either or. Um, it works. Uh, 748, reminder. Uh, do we could, Hey, Balak, do we have the voice? I got a lot of stuff going on. Right? If we have the voice, we're going to uh, talk to a uh, a hockey player over in Germany who is on The Voice in Germany. And when we talk to Mark Ledlin, uh, I've got some career advice for him. Like, 
Seaball, think about this. If you're in Germany, you're an athlete and you're a young guy and you're looking for the public to vote you to win a show. Is there not some other, and you're a Vancouver Coquitlam kid, is there not another kind of young guy in Germany who has some pull that you got to reach out to on social media to kind of give you the, hey, yeah, support him? <laughs> you thought of it? Like, aren't you reaching out to Alfonso Davis? Saying, hey, man, close to the same high school. Let's let's get that done. We'll see. Make that happen. Uh, 749, lots of stuff going on. Uh, not going to give you any BS. It's nothing but PS right now. On this uh, Halloween Eve, take a listen to Randy Moss. This is Randy Moss years back working Bill Belichick, the grumpy Bill Belichick who says nothing and saying, hey, man, we're going to have a Halloween party. You want to come? Take a listen. You're not interested in that, are you? In what? Halloween party. Well, this is what it is. We are okay, dressed as the devil. No, that's what we're doing. It's, <laughs> well, hey, you'll get... You might win the damn prize. <laughs> Trying to, you know, get us a little DJ, get us a roller rink, and again, you know, have it, so have us a good night. But like I said, you're more than welcome or whatnot. I'm sure it's, it's like, for instance, Halloween. I mean, we don't go out no more. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But we still have that. It's holiday. a great holiday. You know, yeah. It's you a know great what I'm holiday. So we're candy and costume. Yeah. How can you beat that? Right. <laughs> Why doesn't Bill Belichick act like that? Like, how did Randy Moss bring that out of him? great holiday candy and costumes how do you beat that yeah it's, get... i remember bon jovi did an interview on like 60 minutes and kind of shared the fact that like he was tight with belichick and like he's a real yeah. fun guy and you're like really okay yeah never ever saw he that. hides it well he hey. hides it well though like i think there are people that say that there's a he's doing a subway commercial all of a sudden bill belichick's doing like i think a subway commercial right now it's starting to show yeah. a little bit of human side why not like you want enough bill have some fun hey p.s Unzipped begins next week in Canada. What's that? Pleased to meet you. Hope you get my name. Oh, yeah. I I think what the devil. Uh, it's an exhibit going uh, into a museum. It's about the Rolling Stones. Artifacts, memorabilia, offering the most comprehensive and immersive insight, they say, into the band's 50-year journey. It's opening in Kitchener. James, that is the only stop that it will have. And I tell you what, I implore you to go to the go to the website called Unzip. The greatest thing is you go to it, it's just a picture of a jacket, and you website opens by dragging your mouse on the zipper and unzipping it. That's the coolest <laughs> thing going on. Pass. <laughs> P.S. Last year I lived and died with Deshaun Watson. He was my fantasy starter. It's my quarterback. Oh, yeah, man. He was my quarterback. Uh, and what a great way for him. Bye week for the Houston Texans. Watson took four local kids to Foot Locker, said, buy anything you want. Bought them all Halloween costumes. Yeah, just for four kids. But you know how much money he raised for his charity just this week alone on his bye week? And he is very involved in what goes on in Houston. Just raised $100,000 this week. Hey, Deshaun, what'd you do this week? I uh, just got going charity-wise, raised another $100,000 for the kids. Man, he's a guy. Too bad that football team around is disassembled. But there's a guy who gets it and understands his platform is always willing to help. There are a lot of athletes more and more. And, you know, I think we can look, you know, no further than our own backyard with Daniel and Henrik had done, you know, donating a million dollars, you know, Children's Hospital. Yep. I'll go back a few years ago, but you, you look at and, the, and those guys didn't want any press. 
But you look no. at the look at the athletes that are out there doing a lot of good. Uh, you touched on Marcus Rashford yesterday um, overseas and what he's doing right now to try to end you know uh, hunger for young people in England and to see what he's doing there. Sean Watson. Young athletes, you know, hey, look, they're mindful of their brand, but I think there's also um, there, there's a conscience with a lot of these young athletes as well. And it's great to see because there's a lot of people benefiting it around the world. Well, and, you know, uh, thinking of the Monday nighter, Jalen Ramsey, who, you know, showed up to training camp in Jacksonville and, you know, came in a Brinks truck, wanted the money, you know, and he didn't even want to talk at that, talk about it that much on Monday. But Jalen Ramsey giving a million dollars to his uh, high school and the area just saying, hey, that's, you know, I'm here because of them. And anyway, I can help out. So you're right. And sometimes social media, we get to hear those stories. And that's a good thing. Uh, no BS, just PS. If apparently you want to win a world title, you know what you have to do is you got to meet the Jonas Brothers. Uh, you know who was at that show? Patrick Mahomes. Cut to a few months later, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs won Super Bowl 54. Next up, December 10th, Arizona. Who was there, you might ask? Oh, Cody Bellinger. Cut to October 27th, the Dodgers won the World Series. Now, last but not least, certainly not least, Lewis Hamilton. Attended the Jonas Brothers concert in Paris on February 22nd. Just last week, he won his 92nd Grand Prix, the most of all time. That's Nick Jonas saying, hey, we met them all this year. They came to our show and they're on top of the world. You want to succeed, you have to go to a Jonas Brothers concert. <laughs> it's a good way to saying? promote, I right? No, they're like a golden touch. Yeah, I, I've never been. Yeah. Rolling how, Stones. Just how are you? Of... How are you going to a Jonas Brothers concert this year, though? Well, no, you're not. Well, I, this happened prior to, right? Yeah. Or hey, it's a good point. Well, I guess yeah. maybe it was last year when they were having. I don't yeah. know. When there's a vaccine, the you got a shot at winning a title if you come and see us. Yeah, I was going to say you might be one of 10 people there, but no, they're, they're a big band. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's I'm virtual. Does it count for virtual concerts? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's how it works. There you go. No BS, just PS for you, everybody. Well, head to Seattle uh, coming up. Take a look at the Seahawks' uh, next big showdown as they uh, collide again with another divisional rival, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, coming up this weekend. We'll check in with Larry Stone. Also, uh, you know what? It's, the, it's so many kids, so many people love watching The Voice here in Canada. Uh, overseas in Europe right now, there's a local hockey player who is right now battling it out to win The Voice in Germany. We'll share that story with you coming up at 8.30 as well. It's all happening on a Friday morning, rolling into Halloween weekend on Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. If he doesn't feel that he's he's, uh, appreciated in Vancouver... He can uh, do his final year and then and then choose where he wants to coach. But there's an awful yeah. lot of there's an awful lot of uncertainty in the game, and I think uh, I think the contract is going to get done. A five star morning on the starting lineup. All right, eight o'clock here at Canucks commute hour number three here on this Friday morning. Sabalski, Silkowski kicking it with you until nine o'clock. Then the Scott Rintoul show takes on over. Uh, Larry Stone from the uh, Seattle Times will join us uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll look ahead to the Seahawks uh, matchup this weekend against the Niners. Um, Pair, I should point out uh, Ken Priestley, um, twenty-seven, twenty-seven goals in the yeah. National Hockey League. 
So yeah, and I, I believe I said around thirty, didn't I? That that was yeah. kind of the number. Yeah, twenty to thirty of that, and uh, you're right there in that sweet spot. And, yeah, think about it. Sixty-one points in the one hundred and sixty-eight games. So uh, our man at Dunbar Lumber, that's that's a point every three games. That's not a bad average at all. Put up some good numbers. Got his name on the cup. Got yeah. his name on the uh, cup. I'm sure the odd time when he would come over the boards and Mario was on the ice, it would, you know, Mario would probably give it to Ken and then head to the front of the net. Good things will happen. Right? Just, I mean, imagine being, but just think about being a young player, getting called up or, or and joining the Penguins at a time where you walk into that room, like how intimidating that must have been. You know, you got Mario, you got Yager, you've got Ron Francis, and then, you know, the, just the list goes on and on with this team. And then to look over to the other corner, there's Brian Trottier. Oh, he had already got four Stanley Cups from the Islanders, who at one time was, you know, this guy was already a lock to be a Hall of Fame player, and it was essentially, you know, the best two-way center in the game, you know, not that long before that, right? Like, it's just remarkable how much talent was on that Penguin squad back in those days. It was, but I think you also have to make sure, and, and you find it in hockey, that the leaders are the good guys, right? Like, they just want to go, okay, you, you welcome aboard. Here we go. That, you know, that was the Henrik Sedin. Your captains, your leaders, your best players are ones that take those guys who are called up or traded and say, hey, man, welcome aboard. This is how we're going to do it. You know, I had been told the story of when Kevin Constantine came as the coach of the Penguins and Yarmer Yager was a superstar and Yarmer Yager was making it very clear that he marches to a different drummer and it was never going to work. So, I mean, you have to have everybody in sync. I think in sports right now, we're seeing that a little bit with the Dallas Cowboys where you bring in Mike McCarthy and you're finding out, man, uh, the players are blaming the coaches. Where's this going in hockey when you're superstars and you said it, you've got Mario, you've got Brian Trotchia there. But if everyone's there for the common, common goal, um, that's why they had the success. Great players also have to be great leaders, and that certainly is the case when you talk to some of the hockey players. A uh, big story in the hockey world over the last 24 hours was the uh, Arizona Coyotes, and I don't think this really comes as too much of a surprise here, Parrot, that the Coyotes decided to uh, relinquish the draft rights for their fourth-round pick, Mitchell Miller, from earlier uh, from the draft earlier this month. So the story comes out, I think, publicly to a lot of people that, the Coyotes were aware of this story, as were pretty much most, if not all, NHL teams, uh, which is why his stock dropped to him being uh, a fourth-round selection at the NHL draft. But uh, it was revealed in a story in the Arizona Republic this week that Miller had been charged with assault and violating the Ohio Safe Schools Act back in February of 2016 after he and another student had admitted to bullying a young man named Isaiah Meyer Crothers, a classmate who was black, uh, has a learning disability, and the team ultimately issued a statement saying, look, they learned more about the entire matter, the impact it had had on Isaiah and his family. And they basically felt like it did not align and jive with the core values for the Coyotes organization and ultimately decided to cut bait on Mitchell Miller, who is now a free agent to try to go and pursue his NHL dream elsewhere. But, you know, a lot of pressure. The Hockey Diversity Alliance group that was founded earlier this year by current and former uh, hockey players in the NHL, they, their, their goal is stated. It's eradicate systemic racism and intolerance in hockey. And they basically had issued a statement publicly saying, look, NHL, Coyotes, you need to move. And 
like I look at this, here's a fourth round selection, like probably a long shot to play in the NHL to begin with pair. And, you know, that the Coyotes want to deal with this, right? Like they were willing to overlook it the first time. Was it just simply public pressure that they just felt like, you know what, this is not something we really need to deal with right now in 2020, especially in 2020? Well, the job of reporters, good reporters, is to dig into the story. Um, I don't know how hard NHL scouts are digging into a potential fourth rounder, but let's be honest, Mitchell Miller dropped in the draft because of this stain on his name. But I still think, you know, what's, what's your scout doing? Yeah, maybe you talk to the kid. Uh, the kid has representation, which he did, and the agent wanted to make it clear and let every NHL team know that this is what happened. We're going to be out front about it all. And just so you know, obviously 14, he's a changed guy going to North Dakota, and you'll leave it at that. I don't know why a scout would dig further into it, but when that story comes out and you find out according to the reports, he's never actually, although charged with it, never apologized to the family, to the person involved that he was bullying. And it's kind of, I'm not going to say swept it under the rug, but certainly the Arizona Coyotes learned an awful lot in the last five days. And uh, I didn't know how they were going to get out of it, James. And when I saw yesterday that they were going to renounce the pick, I thought, you know, that that's what they should do. That's where the league should make a stand. And maybe there will be another team quietly or someone will sign him as a free agent and give him a chance to play in the American Hockey League. Certainly this kid now, uh, they all know about him in North Dakota. And, you know, the college has stayed behind it, saying they want to give him a second chance. But for the Professional Hockey League to say, yeah, we're going to embrace him, uh, I, I think they kind of washed their hands and it was the right thing to do yesterday. Yeah, I just, I, I, look, it's, it's a despicable, the optics of the story are terrible, right? Um, the behavior of a, of a kid acting like that is awful. You know, if, if, if you find out that that's your kid that behaving like that and doing that, I mean, yes, I get that spanking is awful in 2020, but I know this. If that was me, I would have got whacked so many freaking times, whether it was the belt, a spatula, a fork, you know, the back of my dad's hand. Like, I would have been <laughs> – I would have been – the crap would have been beaten out of me if if something like that – if I had, you know, done something as reprehensible as that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Pear, like – you know, this behavior was happening with Mitchell Miller when he was 13 and 14. And, you know, so, yeah, I, you I know just what? wonder, you like, you know, like, no, but I, I, like in this country, like there are there are young people that commit crimes that fall under the Young Offenders Act. Right. And their names are not published um, for, you know, legal matters because they're considered minors. You know, this guy at 14 was considered a minor. Right. And, you know, his name's out there publicly. The story has come to light publicly. And he was, you know, tried as a minor, went through the courts as a minor. And, you know, and, and, and most, and I'll say this, like the general public people reacting to this story all essentially view him wanting to be treated as an adult here. And, and, and this to be a, a case of like, this was, a, this is, this is terrible behavior and you need to be treated like an adult. Like he's like his hockey dreams over. Like unless this kid goes out and lights the lamp at the university, you know, at North Dakota here, unless they take his scholarship away here in the next few weeks, which I think is probably possible, right? There's already been some alumni that have called mm -hmm. out for the idea saying the university should be, you know, taking his scholarship away. He doesn't deserve it. Um, I'm not going to say his hockey career is over. 
the road he is taking to hopefully cash a check by playing pro hockey somewhere has now become extremely difficult. And I'm okay with that because you made someone else's life really difficult. So sometimes you pay for the choices you make. You know, when my daughter is putting out resumes, when your girls get old enough to put out resumes, if she's done something really well at the age of, uh, you know, 14 or 15, you put it on that resume. Oh, you know, I volunteered and I walked dogs. That showed at that age I was I was doing something that was positive, helping the community. Yeah, that's an asset. Put it down there, right? So you're making decisions when they're positive at 14 and 15, and you're saying, yeah, no, that's that's part of me. It's part of my character already. So this is part of his character. Can he get past it? Sure. I do think there is someone not in the NHL that will go, hey, he's a good hockey player. You can't hold him accountable for the rest of his life when he was really stupid. In fact, when he's off the ice, you can find him in community centers talking to kids and saying, hey, I thought I was the kingpin, man. I did everything, and it is so wrong. I've apologized. There's ways to get around it. Um, it's just going to be a lot more difficult for him. And you know what? It should be difficult for him. He made someone else's world difficult. Not saying you're stopped and all those gates are shut. No, but guess what? You're going to have to work a lot harder to attain your goals because of a mistake you made. 650, 650, uh, people texting in. Um, and it was um, the story, uh, you know, Carl texting in. It says, 13, 14, we know right and wrong. So... I think a lot of people kind of feel that he was still old enough to know better. Uh, we'll continue the conversation. Texas 650-650 if you feel like you want to weigh in on the situation. But meantime, the Seattle Seahawks uh, try to get back their winning ways uh, coming up on Sunday when they take on, uh, oh, it's still one of the better rivalries in the National Football League. It's the Seahawks and the Niners, and they get set to collide coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to that one. Larry Stone from the Seattle Times joins us here this morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Um, okay, so back to the winning ways. I mean, if there was ever a game to kind of get the team fired up again, uh, it's an easy sell when you got a rivalry like the Niners rolling into town. Yeah, they get a little extra pumped up. It's it's not quite like the good old days when, when Pete Carroll and, and Jim Harbaugh, you know, had that, that dislike or perceived dislike. They always claimed that they didn't really have it. But, you know, going back to USC versus Stanford when, uh, Harbaugh ran up the score on Carroll, and then and then uh, Richard Sherman went over there, and that elevated a little bit. Uh, you know, Harbaugh's gone; Sherman's on the injured list, but it's still the 49ers, so I think they'll still be a little extra juiced up. You know, they always say standings don't lie. Is the record indicative of where the Seahawks and how they've played mm-hmm. in the first month and a half of this season? Well, that's an interesting question because they managed to rack up a five and zero record. Uh, with with a defense that was on pace to be the worst in NFL history. It's still on pace after their loss last week. And, you know, they had some improbable wins where they, you know, last second plays against both New England and the Vikings to preserve wins and, a, and an interception at, at the end against Dak Prescott to preserve another win. So mm-hmm. uh, you could see that the ground was a little bit shaky. But, you know, the score, they did stand up at the end, the defense, and they did have a quarterback who was playing at an MVP level. So, uh, yes, the record is indicative, but there were also uh, there's also some warning signs to say maybe that it's the things some things are going to have to change for them to maintain that kind of pace. I think. Larry Stone here on Sportsnet 650. Um, you, you look at. Russell Wilson's numbers from last week and you know he puts up you know closer to 400 yards than 300 you know over 70 yards on the ground as well but the three picks right and you know I guess you kind of give that win to the Cardinals and to young Kyler Murray 
I mean, do you, do you anticipate a bounce back game for Russ here? I mean, is it fair to criticize him a little bit with the three picks <laughs> from last week? Well, uh, I, to answer your first question, yes, I anticipate a bounce back week. His record in following a loss in season is the best in NFL history. I, I, Thirty-one and eight, or something, something close to that. That that might not be exactly accurate, but it's very close. Uh, so, dating back to the merger in 1970, no quarterback has had a better record following a loss. So, uh, I mean, he has a history of bouncing back, and that's just the way he's wired. Uh, yeah, it's fair to criticize him. Some of those interceptions were really, really bad. I thought uh, just just uh, yeah. poor passes and, and and poor decisions, which you just not don't expect to see from him so in many ways he had a spectacular game but uh you know those 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 decisions show that he's you know he's mortal he's human (laughs) so uh i suspect i expect a, a a strong bounce back game from him this week though Larry Stone of the Seattle Times joining us. Seahawks get set San Francisco on Sunday. Uh, putting the ball in the end zone hasn't been an issue. Keeping it out has. So does Carlos Dunlop play, and what does he do to the finally getting some pressure on a quarterback? He does not play. Uh, he does not have time to go through the, the COVID protocol uh, You know when you change teams. So he will not be eligible until the, until the following week when they play the the, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he, they, they're counting on him to, to help a pass rush that, frankly, has just been terrible. They have nine sacks in six games. Um, Kyler Murray dropped back 48 times last week, and did, they didn't get one hit on him, not zero quarterback hits last week. Uh, you know, Bruce Irvin is out for the season, who they acquired to be that rush end. Uh, Daryl Taylor, who they drafted second round, he's has not played yet this year, and the and the outlook is not that strong for for him to play. So, you know, they need they need somebody who could get to the quarterback, put a little bit of pressure on, and that's what uh, he has done uh, throughout throughout his career. Uh, Dunlap, you know, not this year, but it's a it's it's he's in a kind of a bad situation in Cincinnati where they're going young and, and he hasn't been playing, and he, he only has one sack, I think. So. Uh, but uh, you know, I think he's going to be motivated in uh, coming here to prove to everybody that he's still got it. He's you know work on a, con- a new contract. There's a lot of reasons to believe that 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 he can turn it around. You know, maybe there are in the NFL. Sometimes you just hit you hit that wall as a veteran, and you don't have anything left. And you know, he's at that age where that's a that's a uh, you know possibility. But I I, I think. He can't do anything but help this pass rush because there's not much room to go but up. You know, it's funny. Like, there's been so much criticism surrounding the Niners uh, this season, and oh, they don't look right. They're gonna have a hard time. You know, they're not getting back to the Super Bowl, and so on and so forth. And yet, you know, hey, they're still they're still a winning team right now. Where do they where do they pose the biggest problems for the Hawks this weekend? Uh, you know, probably still on, you know, any, I think any team that faces the Seahawks this year, the biggest problem is stopping them. You know, they're giving up 479 yards per game, which as I mentioned, that's, and that's historic, right? Like that's a historic number that they're giving up right now, isn't it? Yes. That, that would be the all time record pace if they keep that up for another, uh, uh, 10 games. So, you know, I think the, the danger of any team even depleted or not, I mean, they, 
played some pretty weak teams so far record-wise and and uh you know as have the 49ers by the way they've built they built that record playing some some weak teams as well but they have they also you know they beat the Rams as well so uh, uh I would say stopping that offense even uh even though I think there's uh, evidence that Jimmy Garoppolo is is not a great quarterback. You know, he's, I think he's still a good quarterback, probably better than people like to give him credit for. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think until further notice, the biggest uh, challenge for this team is, is, is stopping people because they've scored more points than any team in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I think the offense is, is humming right now. You got five teams with uh, three teams with five wins in the NFC West. Who's the best in your view, Larry? Uh, boy, um, I think probably I, I think the most well-rounded team is probably the Rams. You know, it's it's funny they uh, a lot of people thought that with some of the contracts they gave out that they didn't know what they were doing and that they they were headed headed for a fall. But the, that's a smart, well-constructed team. Uh, you know, I'm not sure Goff is you know, the greatest quarterback, that's what, you know, the Seahawks have the the best quarterback in the group, but they also have the worst defense. But I think as far as a combination of offense and defense, probably the Rams. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Because the Rams, the Rams have a little bit of everything. Uh, you saw Kyler Murray on Sunday. Is he Russell Wilson in three years or is he there already? <laughs> uh, he's getting awfully close. Uh, he's an even bigger running threat than Russell is. He's quicker. You know, maybe maybe 2012, 2013, Russell, but uh, Wilson's put on a lot of bulk and is really not the running threat that he that he used to be. Murray still is. He hasn't withstood all the hits that, that Wilson has. Uh, and for a, a little guy, you know, he, he should thank Russell Wilson for for being where he is because if I, I truly believe that if Wilson hadn't paved the way to show that guys you know, who aren't six foot five can still thrive in the NFL that the, the teams wouldn't have been as willing to take a chance on, on Kyler Murray at whatever he is five, eight or whatever. Uh, he still throws a strong, accurate ball. So yeah, he's, uh, he's on the ascension and, you know, getting, he's a, I guarantee you that there's no team that wants to, that looks forward to facing Kyler Murray just because he can hurt you in, you know, he's a dual threat that, that not too many quarterbacks are. There's other ones, but, you know, he's he's right up there, and he might be the, the quickest of them all. Larry, thanks for this. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, and stay safe out there south of the border. All right. Uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. And happy Halloween! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we are turning out our lights and pretending we're not homes. So. <laughs> yeah, that might be best. <laughs> that might that be might the be safest thing to do is. right now. Uh, thanks, Larry. Yeah. There he is. All right. uh, Larry Stone. Take care. Uh, the uh, Larry Stone from the Seattle Times uh, covering the Seattle Seahawks, looking ahead to the weekend yeah. matchup with the Seahawks and the Niners. You know, both teams flawed, um, but both teams with winning records. I like the Seahawks to get the job done this weekend, Pear. I, I, I do think that they bounce back, and, you know, I, I still think that, look, they can't stop anybody, but they can certainly still score, and I expect a better effort, especially from that flat second half that they had um, where they just put seven points on the board that second half against the Cards. Yeah, you know, if if I look at this week and the games, I'm going to take two guys over the last decade that just they're not used to losing, and I would say that's Russell Wilson 
because he will bounce back, took a lot of ownership for throwing those balls and those picks in the game. And I, you know, how do you not believe in Russell Wilson when he says we'll be okay? And I'll take Bill Belichick. Now, Bill doesn't get to play the game, but his football team was terrible with their quarterback. Um, and they're in Buffalo where you go, now those guys don't lose. They don't get into a losing streak. So we'll see. But CX have been great. I don't know if you've seen on social media, there's a house in Kamloops where the guy has set up this great Seahawks slide, neon Seahawk colors with the 12 there. And that's what he use, what he's using for Halloween. Like he's on the second floor of his house. And when people come Halloweening, uh, the candy is going to be put down this Seahawk slide uh, right into the kid's bag. Some hardcore yeah. fans in this province. Yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, how about that? That's, a, that's not bad. It's creative. I mean, I like you were it. thinking of a slide. Did, are you, yeah, I've got a, about eight for... foot. I got an eight foot uh, piece of PVC piping. It's about four inches wide that uh, I think will probably drop from a ladder down or angle it so it can drop on down for if uh, if there's any kids. And, and, and as opposed to, you know, being at the door, I think maybe hang out outside. Yeah. I think the weather's supposed to be optimal. We'll just go to the front of the driveway. And if anybody's walking by, use some tongs for the, the candy in a bowl and drop it down and... Um, yeah, I think. Look, I mean, people have we've we've all suggested supporting local businesses and restaurants that people do in takeout. Look, this is not the time for a big Halloween party, and I think it's going to be incumbent on people to be smart about that. But I think the fact that people being outside, moving around, um, if you're not in a massive group with trick or treaters, I think you can do this. You know, I, I I don't think you need to treat it as the massive Halloween shaker, but I think if you're staying in a in a small group and you're staying outside and you're maintaining your distance, I think there's a way you can still trick or treat safely. Pair. Is there any way at the bottom of that PVC pipe you can have like a little little clamp or a little wedge that you lose in the sink so the candy can shoot up and then the kids can kind of play a game and see if they can catch it? Ah, I'm, so I'm trying to make your, you know, Ken so Reed's giving up full offer, chocolate bars. I'm just trying to make more yeah. fun. So legitimately offer a trick instead of a treat. Well, no, you give them a treat, but you know, it's it's like you're in the outfield. You got to make a catch. Yeah. So it pops up. Decorate it. Do something. I'm just trying. Listen, you're doing a lot more than me. I'm going to be like Larry. No one, no one Halloween's in our area, anyways. Yeah. But uh, just trying to make. Yeah, it fun. yeah, yeah. Some neighborhoods are, are are definitely hotter than others, and when when you're when your house is spaced out, definitely less trick or treaters. You want to maximize the volume in those situations. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Um, we're co coming up. Uh, we got a great guest coming up and a great story coming up in just a moment. But I do want to share a couple of uh, texts coming in from people. Um, Eric saying uh, Arizona shouldn't have picked Miller. Once they did, they shouldn't have walked away from him. Once drafted, they should have supported him on his path to redemption. So long as he walks that path, two wrongs don't make a right. Um, the other one, uh, James, it continued until he was 15, 16. You heard Brian Burke talking about it. He doesn't deserve to be a pro hockey player. As simple as that. Get over it. Kids are crappy human beings, too. His parents suck, so it's not all his fault, but you should learn from mistakes. He did not. Very happy Arizona dropped it. Let's move on. That's Brendan in Nanaimo uh, on that mm. one. And, you know, I just... Uh, you know, another one, he made a life already tough, uh, so his road should be even tougher on his journey to the National Hockey League. So, you know, it's a little bit of a karma on that one. And, and dealing with a really thoughtful comment as well here. And I just want to take a quick moment to read this one. 
Dylan saying in Nanaimo this morning, I just want to say I really appreciate all these conversations you've been having lately. It can be tough to deal with a fairly large segment of the sports fan population when you mix politics and sports, but these important conversations transcend all that. I love listening to the show, and so good to see you and your colleagues taking a stand for what's right, whether it's Mitch Miller today, George Floyd a couple months ago, or anything else. Keep doing what you do. Thanks very much, Dylan, and appreciate you listening on that one. And I think, per, uh, you know, I think you could echo that, that sentiment as well. Well, l- listen, um, we're here to talk about games and all that, but when you have Justin Turner with the COVID situation, uh, George, George Floyd, what's going on in our world, um, and a kid who's made some really bad choices and everyone turning a blind eye, there's, uh, you know, sports is part of society. And I think you and I enjoy these conversations. We appreciate the people listening, whether you agree with us or not, those texts. And we're going to continue to have those talks because they're they're part of the world we live in. And if people want an escape and escape, sometimes you can't escape what's going on outside the world. Hey, I know the one thing you and I would love to do if someone gave us a chance going, hey, would you uh, jump on the voice and sing a little bit? We don't mind grabbing a microphone. There's someone locally who's doing that over in Germany. We'll have that conversation. You want to stick around for this. That's all ahead. Halloween. The weekend is almost here for us, at least. Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 32 on this Friday morning, rolling into uh, Halloween weekend. Full moon tomorrow as well, just to add things a little more really? sideways. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You didn't realize that. The new Ghostbusters uh, James- coming out too. Didn't they delay that till spring now? Yeah. They, they, well, yeah. I think every movie's been pretty much delayed yeah. so you can get people to get back into a theater. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski with you. And, you know, there's there's chasing dreams, and then all of a sudden there's a detour along the way that kind of makes you chase another dream while you're at it chasing one as well. Pair, uh, we've got a wonderful story about a local hockey player who's playing the pros over in Europe, and then all of a sudden found another dream to chase on one of the hottest reality TV shows out there these days, uh, The Voice, and he's doing it overseas right now, Pair. I couldn't believe this. Um, daughter's boyfriend the other day goes, hey, the guy I went to school with, he's on The Voice. What? Huh? Hey, he went to play hockey in Europe and he's on The Voice. I got, no, no. And then a couple of checks in. And this is, uh, take a listen. This this is a little segment of, of Mark Ledland singing on The Voice. You don't ever have to leave. Change is what you need. You can change right next to me. When you're high, I'll take the lows. You can never, and I can flow. And we'll take so he's singing, and you know how the voice is. They're just waiting for the chair to turn. Man, that's got to be tough to do. And he's in Germany still chasing the dream. And he joins us right now where it is uh, in the middle of the evening. I guess good evening, Mark. How are you? Good, guys. How you doing? Good, good. talk. Now, let's – oh, what was that? Well good done. Talk. Good talk. Good day. Um, explain to us now, we were listening to you singing, although it was close and as agonizing, they didn't turn the chair. You are now on part of, it's the comeback stage. Just to explain to our listeners what stage you're at at the voice there. So, uh, the way it works is I obviously didn't get buzzed by any four of the, uh, the coaches and there's actually, they do this in the States as well. They, uh, they have a fifth coach. That's the comeback stage and they take the talents that, didn't get turned, and they give them a second chance to come back into the show. And so where are we in that progress now? 
So I'm currently in the, the comeback stage right now. Everybody loves a comeback story. Mark, how did this – give us a sense of how this came about. So, you know, you played you played hockey here uh, locally um, in the Lower Mainland and then wound up going to Europe. Give us give us a sense of the background from a hockey st- standpoint and how you uh, ultimately wound up where you are right now. So I, I – like I, my dad's from Vancouver. My dad played 20 years of hockey overseas here in Germany. Um, we ended up moving back to Canada. I, I lived in Canada and all my money, hockey and stuff like that. And I kind of almost gave up playing hockey at the age of 15 and my dad said well you got a german passport why don't you just go have some fun playing germany so they sent me over there when i was 15 i uh i lived with a family over there for six months and then i ended up coming back finishing my high school and then proceeding to go back and play junior over there so you're still playing like uh correct me if i'm wrong obviously because of covid you still will continue to play what are you playing like a div two a div three hockey in germany or most recently yeah, so re- like last season I played in the DEL too, which is the second league, second highest league in Germany. Uh, but yeah, with with all the COVID stuff right now, it's kind of tough to to figure out where I'm going to play. So I'm just kind of I'm hanging out with my dad, who's a sport director here for a minor hockey program, and I'm kind of kind of testing the waters to see what comes up. So your dad, your your dad's still involved in the game as well. You're playing as well, and then how did this? Like, when did you realize that you might have vocal like? Man, there's a million times I like to think I can sing, but then, you know, there's always somebody who tells you, yeah, dude, you, you don't really have that voice. But when did all of a sudden the tire pumping start to come to say, you know, man, you should give this a shot. You can sing, man. So um, my dad actually, like, grew up playing guitar around me, and I, for the last, like, 22 years, I never really thought anything of it until I went over to Berlin. And I was like, you know what, like, to heck with it. Like, I'm going to pick up a guitar because I want to get chicks. Like, I want to pick up girls because that was kind of the stereotypical <laughs> thing to do. And, oh boy. like, as bad as it is to say. And then yeah. I ended up falling in love with the music aspect of it. And then, so obviously, like, fingers bleeding, trying to learn guitar. And then all of a sudden, I fell in love with the whole music aspect of it and writing. And then fast forward to last year in, in January before all this COVID stuff hit. I had I had normally just sang in my room for my family and my friends, and I was like, "To heck with it! Like I'm gonna do this without anybody knowing." So I ended up signing myself up for the auditions and the open casting, and then nine hours later, I was on to round two. Thirty thousand people um, auditioned for that. Like I don't know your level of sports. You're probably comfortable on the ice and all that, and you get a paycheck to play. I was nervous watching you sing. You're on stage. You've got four chairs. The one judge, I don't know her name, is is just agonizing whether she should turn her chair or not. What do you remember of that day or evening and the nerves you felt singing uh, in front of them, wondering to see if they're going to say, yeah, you're good enough? You know, I can play in front of four, four or 5,000 people and not have a nervous bone in my body. But going out in front of because like, uh, the actual stage itself, we had cardboard fans. We had maybe 100 people in there. And I was trembling from my head to my toes. Like It was the most nerve-wracking experience of my life. Because with hockey, I just kind of react. Like, I've done it all my life. With singing, I was like, man, I'm going to forget these lyrics. Like, I have n- no idea what I'm doing. It was my first time ever on a real stage. And it so happened to be on national TV that the first time I ever performing. Um, so I was to say I was shaking my boots was an understatement. <laughs> Mark Ledlin with us here on Sportsnet 650 from minor hockey here in Metro Vancouver to now uh, playing pro hockey over in Germany and now a contestant on The Voice. 
you, you look back, you look at the videos now, how do you assess your performance? I feel like it's human nature to always be your own worst critic. I mean, anytime I listen back to anything I do, anything I watch that I do, I'm always, ah, I could have done this different. I'm sure you probably do that when you watch your games as well. But what about listening to and watching your performance? How do you, Looking back, how do you think you did? You know, I... Oh, did we lose him? Did we lose? We might have lost him. Did, did we lose the connection from Germany? That's it. This this could have been the answer. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if we can. We we'll see if we'll get him back here for a couple of minutes. Um, how about that though? Hey, got a great voice, um, and you know who who knows where it's going to come from. But you go play, and as I was saying, there's a guy. I think he, if we get him back, I think maybe went to school with Matt Barzell and the the Dante Fabros and, and those guys in this area of Coquitlam too, um, to have that opportunity to go sing, got to be nerve wracking when you're waiting for four pros to turn around and go good enough, good enough. But, um, he's sung in a couple of, a couple of arenas here too, just for, um, you know, games in between intermissions. Uh, talk about chasing a dream, man. He's been doing it. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see, you know, when an athlete kind of shows that they've got another side to them and, and can do something from an entertainment standpoint, right? Like you, you look at Carl Weathers. So Carl Weathers is, uh, you know, is part of season two of the Mandalorian. Now that's just dropping this morning on, on yeah. Disney plus and obviously Apollo Creed and Chubbs Peterson, but you know, Carl Weathers was a pretty good player for the BC lions when he was here for a brief spell going back in the 1970s. Right. You look at that. We've seen, you know, players, uh, you know, Matt Lashoff uh, is another guy who was a former NHL prospect and is now a singer. You know, Dallas oh, Chad, Brown, Chad Brownlee, right, locally with the alumni. I think Mark's back. Mark, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. I just disconnected there. Oh, bad timing. Hey, so where is it now? So with the comeback stage, who is your coach? Obviously, we may not know them, but you must have German pop stars or German music stars or coaching. Who's coaching you right now? And when do you when do you perform again to see if you can move on? So uh, his name's Michael Schultz. He was uh, he actually was a contestant on the first season of The Voice because they're they're now in their tenth season, and uh, he's kind of a, a rising German pop star here in Germany. And to dive into stuff, when I kind of find out, I legally can't just because the contract we have to sign. Oh, okay. I can't disclose anything too much like that. Okay. Um, but it's pretty soon. The, the next episode should be out in the next week or so. All right. Well, we're pu we're pulling for you now. We don't know who any of the other contestants are, admittedly, in the German version of the Voice, but we're rooting for you now, Mark. And, and, Thanks, guys. I appreciate and, it. And Mark, it all goes by votes, doesn't it? Is that is that how it works, too, or no? So uh, it's all done. the The voting um, process by fans only comes in the semifinals. So okay. all the decisions are made by the coach up to that point, and then that's kind of where the the showmanship kind of takes place. You want people to to like you and be pretty personal with the fans and that's when the voting comes into play are you on social media like if people want to try to uh, keep track of your of, of the journey right now and obviously uh don't have uh you know german cable um where can they follow you uh they can follow me on instagram you can follow me on facebook uh all my clips should be on youtube as well if you just type in the voice of germany uh, i'll pop up on there awesome. mark i want to uh, i want to give you a little bit of marketing help here um uh, what high school did you go to here in, in uh, did you go to Charles Best or where'd you go to high school here? Yeah, I went to, I went to Charles Best. Okay. Well, there's a, there's another young man who's making a living in Germany and he would have went to a high school just about 10, 15 minutes from yours in Burnaby. Use social media and see if, see if one Alfonso Davies has some clout and say, Hey man, from the same hood. 
trying to earn a living in Germany, help me out. That might help your case out. Fonzie's probably got about five, 10 million people following on social media. So there you go. There's a marketing tool. Use your Vancouver ties, my friend. Did we lose him? Oh, I'm right here. Yeah, I definitely, I think, I think he's got a little bit bigger of a following than I do considering <laughs> with all the Bundesliga stuff. So I don't, I think my message might slip in with the other thousands he's getting a day, but that's not a good idea. I'm definitely going to message him probably 11 times. There you go. Let's say you got to play it. Hey, thanks for this. Good luck. Uh, I think you're an awful lot of talent and it's, it's fun to see what you're trying to do and glad that we could shed a little light on you and good luck in your journey and good luck. If Perfect. you put the blades on again. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. There you go. Mark Ledlin. Chasing a dream, James. <laughs> Just not the one he initially planned for when he went to Germany all those years ago, but he's in the thick of it right now on The Voice in Germany. All right, 843, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rentoul Show next right here on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 848 here on this Friday morning. Sabalski, Solkowski rolling into Halloween weekend. Scott Rintoul's show taking over at the top of the clock. We were asking you our poll question today. It feels like it's been a one-sided affair and a, and a really – I'm just i surprised at how many people are wrong out there today, Pear. No, they're not wrong. They're right. I was the one who said it, it's going to be peanut butter cups. That's what you want to do. We asked you what the uh, favorite candy is. And, and here's why I think – Peanut Butter Cup says one outstandingly 44% choosing your peanut butter cup as your favorite Halloween. Go to 26% with the Kit Kat. Uh, 15 caramel and you with your Wonder Bar love only get 14.8. Uh, so you're you're in last place with this one and you should have been all morning long and you were. And, and he, here is why. Is I don't like buying Reese's peanut butter cups because I don't need three peanut butter cups. Now you can buy four. I'm sure by the time it's 2025, you'll be able to buy 12 in one package. You won't be able to fit it in the car. But all you need is one. All you need is one. Just like Ken Reed's book, all you want is one NHL goal. You just need one peanut butter cup. And that's what kids will be looking for if they're out Halloweening. And that's what parents will be having Saturday night or Sunday morning. Oh, I just want one peanut butter cup. Yeah, unless you have a peanut allergy. Well, unless. You're not you can actually you're, get. You're not eating Wonder my, Bar either, so don't worry. I'm with you. <laughs> my daughter found keto peanut butter cups for those on a keto diet. Oh, my God. She Are you still on a keto diet? Like, yeah. this has been three years you've been on a keto diet now. Yeah, I'm not really on a keto diet. Like, I'm not as strict as I was a couple years ago. I think that's how long it's been. I just don't have a lot of bread. Just trying to feel better. Trying to feel better about myself. Deep potatoes? Um, uh, what do we have here? We had a, a text in I want to get into. Who was, uh, someone had just texted us that said, uh, Bobby, Bobby's always in. Thank you, Bobby, for participating in the show. Makes a great point. Halloween, full moon, and we're turning the clock back. Man, if we were in our heydays, James, that is just the trifecta for people who want to go out and party. Oh my, oh my God. The, the, the moons were aligned. Like, oh my God, 25 year old me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Halloween right? night, full moon, and you turn the clock back. No, it's not. It's not midnight. It's 11. We've got another hour to party. They're keeping the bar open. Well, oh, you know, those were the perfect days. Pear, I'll tell you, like, I'm very curious. Like, in our in our community here where we live in South Delta, um, in Beach Grove, uh, in, in a community in Tawasson, 
it is probably the greatest spectacle for trick-or-treating anywhere I've ever seen. And, and, you know, growing up as a kid in Ottawa and whether uh, living in Toronto as well and taking the kids trick-or-treating there when I, you know, when they were young and, and then here for the last several years, I've never seen anything like it, the energy and the vibe and the crowds, you know, for, for trick-or-treating. I'll be curious to see what that looks like this year, whether people are just, I mean, I think you can still trick-or-treat responsibly, but it's the, it's the level like, you know, this isn't, this isn't like years past. And I think for young people, like the Halloween parties, like you talked about, it's a full moon, turn the clocks back. It's how, you know, the irresponsibility of some young people that were behaving the way they did and caused the numbers to climb in Kelowna back in July, right? Remember when the numbers started to spike then? Hopefully people are smart about it. I think we can do this responsibly. I think we can do this safely. And I hope everybody has fun, but you're right. Turn the clocks back on Sunday and not to mention like what, by the way, what happened to like, weren't we supposed to get rid of this? Like remember when John Horgan was yeah. elected, we didn't, we have a poll and overwhelmingly we all said, you know, screw it. We're done with turning the clocks back. And it's still here after another term. Yeah, no, I, uh, they had the conversation. There's some parts that, that won't, but yeah, it, um, I don't mind it. Turn the clock back. I just wonder now, what does that mean? How late will I be hearing fireworks Tomorrow night, and the dogs will be going crazy. I'm going to say over under is midnight in my neighborhood. Some guys are going to ah, it's not even minutes, only eleven. That nah, let's let's fire off some more fireworks, and then and dealing with the dogs. That's that's my situation. It's Halloween. Like let's not all be grumpy old people for one night and allow if people are lighting 10, fireworks. 30, like yeah, don't start off. I, yeah. I don't need I don't need fireworks at midnight. At, well, you know you're turning the clocks back, so it'll only be eleven, buddy. Well, that's why I said I'm going to come and get it at midnight. And they're yeah. going to say, hey, man, it's only 11. Like, ah. How many nights a year? But honestly, how many times a year do you get woken up by fireworks? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe Canada Day? Yeah. No. Maybe no, it's, Halloween? It's I don't mind it. I don't mind. I was a, there you go. Day. There you go. All right. You're no longer the man who yells at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. There we go. We've converted him. He's becoming a fan of Halloween, people. Listen, We're going to do it yet. Greatest Halloween costume ever. I went to the bar as Santa Claus. Now, guess what? Back in the day, you sat in a chair with Santa. I didn't have to move all night long. Oh, there's Santa. I'm going to go sit on his knee. Excellent. There we go. Wow. Uh, we got to get out of here, um, but uh, we'll leave this for Scott Rintoul to drop on. But uh, it was just sent to me uh, this morning that uh, you saw Jack Nicholas uh, endorse uh, oh, Donald Bobby. Trump. Yeah. Bobby Orr. Bobby, Bobby Orr, Orr taking out an ad mm. in the Union Leader newspaper endorsing Donald Trump. So number four, Bobby Orr. Tea time Ooh. for Mr. Nicholas and Mr. Orr. White privilege, please. You're uh. next on the tee. Scotty, it's all yours. Happy Halloween, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday right here on Sportsnet 650.